Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Keep It A Strong Style. from one nation radio this is brought to you by the social suplex podcast network we present to you the ace of podcast keeping it strong style let's go it's the ace of podcast keeping it strong style covering new japan they ready to hold it down jeremy donovan and the young boy josh come and hit a job out in burial the frogs from Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'ma chill and let them have it, cause this is just an intro. Keeping the strong style six stars from the get go, boy. Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome, this is Keeping It Strong Style with your host, Jeremy Donovan, and the young boy, Joshua Smith. And thank you for listening. Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith and Chris Samsa from VoicesOfWrestling.com. On today's show, we'll be reviewing Power Struggle, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. This episode of Keeping It Strong Style is brought to you by Power Slam TV. If you're a fan of independent pro wrestling, Power Slam TV has over 6,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Use the promo code Social Suplex to get your first month free. Also, make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. And like I mentioned on the intro, we are joined today by Chris Samsa from VoicesOfWrestling.com, SportOfProWrestling.com. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh been a big fan of all the kind of stat work you've been doing lately and you you know your name's been getting out there with uh kevin kelly kind of mentioning you and you've been doing great stuff man hey i appreciate it yeah um it's a good time um i love running numbers and i love seeing kind of uh the numbers turn into um kind of storyline pieces or, or pieces for the narrative so it's 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 been an honor to be helpful for the english broadcast team nice unfortunately for you listeners we just chatted for about 20 minutes and I mean it was gold it was just 
life-changing audio and it will never make the airwaves. It's exclusive for just me and Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris. So whenever we have new guests on the show, we kind of like to get a little background on them and just find out like how long they've been watching new Japan, their favorite matches and wrestler and stuff like that. So uh, how long you've been watching uh, NJPW? Yeah. So the, I really, I'm, I'm like your typical lapsed fan where like I was a fan of wrestling through the late 90s and then I just kind of disappeared from it and then really in like 2014 2013 I started to get back into it mostly with WWE American stuff and then I started kind of sensing this buzz around uh, Wrestle Kingdom 9 so like the 2015 Wrestle Kingdom Mm -hmm. Um, and I have always been one to just like check stuff out Um, I'm willing to kind of invest in things early and and try to figure out how to get them and, and watch stuff and you know, dig into the depths of the internet to find um, ways to watch things and, and whatnot. But um, I watched Wrestle Kingdom Nine, and that was that was kind of what got me started on New Japan. Um, I would say from there, I was a casual fan. I paid attention to the big shows, and then um, really 2017, 2018, I started to watch all the tournaments and all the tournament matches. And at this point, I watch any anything that they can that they put out. Um, and I like to, I, I mean, I love the tournaments. I've always loved kind of tournament styles, the kind of contained pieces like that because they they have their own story arc and New Japan obviously does a great job with those. Yeah, it's truly amazing. Um, <clears throat> when it's all said and done, I think Wrestle Kingdom 9 has to be heralded as like one of the most influential shows in the history of like pro wrestling, Japanese pro wrestling, New Japan, because you hear this story time and time and time again from people that are like involved, you know, with, uh, you know, fan creation content, that sort of thing, and just following the product. How many people like were drawn to this product from that show? It's really crazy. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm a testament to that. Like, and it's one of those things where you watch it and you're like, yes, this is pro. It's similar to the pro wrestling that I've watched before, um, but it was to me, it was just better. It was more sports like. It was a cool presentation and it, it just looked huge and they established characters with just the like I didn't understand the words they were saying you know but they established characters with just like the action in the ring and I thought that was just so cool so it, it really it really got me yeah man that Wrestle Kingdom 9 was just yeah so awesome that was the same show I came in on and you know seeing a guy like AJ Styles being advertised who I followed in Impact and then uh seeing you know JR be announced for commentary I'm like okay like they're bringing in some like Big players for this thing so this has to be something kind of serious so yeah just kind of checking it out and that just opened the door for just this great world of pro wrestling man that's been happening for years now absolutely so uh, who's your favorite new japan wrestler right now so right now i will watch anything shingo takagi is involved in uh, which has worked out for me this year because he's been involved in a lot um so but i loved him through best of super juniors I loved him through the G1. I loved him, um, you know, as soon as he popped up last year, like that dude can go. And any any match he has, like I feel like it's going to be good or any interaction he has, even in like the multi-man matches, like he's he's going for it. He's he's not here to to relax. Like he's here to he's here to fight. He's here to, you know, put on a good show. So he's awesome. Yeah, dude, I love me some Shingo and. Um, he's just been a, a great addition to the roster within the last year and just all the awesome matches he's been having in the junior division, and now he's in the heavyweight. Been having a lot of good stuff. Um, did you have a favorite before Shingo showed up? I've always been an Ibushi fan, mm. um, and that probably goes back to Wrestle Kingdom 9, too. Like, I, 
Nakamura just didn't didn't hit the spot for me. Um, I just thought the the video package that they did for Ibushi on that was so interesting that he had done all this wacky weird wrestling that I had never seen before, and then he came out and like put up a, a heck of a fight against Nakamura. So um, since then, you know, his, and his story arc with Golden Lovers and Kenny Omega and all that, like um, I was lucky enough to finally see Ibushi live at um, All In last year, and I was just like. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a mark for Abushi. He's 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 got my heart. Yeah, I think it's funny. Um, in the past, I was uh, commissioned to show New Japan to a you know a someone who who was like you know show me show me about New Japan. I want to you know get into this. And oddly enough, I ended up showing them a Shingo match as well as an Abushi match uh, because those are two of the guys that are like very representative of like the New Japan style. But it's interesting that they are because. Technically, they're both not dojo guys. They're both kind of outs, you know, outsiders who have made their way into the uh, into the company, and now they like almost to a to a certain extent like embody what New Japan is at this current time. Like, if you want to explain to somebody, like those are two of the guys you would show, and it's uh, it's kind of interesting that way. Yeah, definitely. yeah, I agree. I so, think that they're they're different, but they you know, the New Japan has a certain kind of house style. Um, that they that they work and they hit kind of the two ends of the spectrum of the mm. the kind of singles heavyweight house style that they that they work with. Definitely. So, uh, what's your favorite New Japan match right now? It's tough. <laughs> I know there's uh, so so many good stuff to choose from. <laughs> so many good stuff, and like I've, I'm just consuming all of it. You know, over the past say two years or so, um, I loved. I mean kind of back to Shingo, like everything Shingo did for best of super juniors this year. But I mean, the finals with, um, Osprey was just incredible. Um, I just thought that that was such a fantastic match. Um, and then, I mean, any of those big spot matches, like they, they, you just know they're going to deliver. So the finals of the G1 or the block finals of the G1, like they, um, they just, they just kill it. I mean, Ibushi Okada was great. Um, you know, this year this year has been full of just really really good matches. I think, but I think if I had to pick one, it would be Shingo and and Osprey. Nice, yeah, that Shingo and Osprey match was incredible, and it's definitely on the top of a lot of people's lists for match of the year in New Japan. Just match of the year overall, dude. Award season, it's it's here. We're about to you know go over all those awards, but yeah, that's got to be a top candidate for uh, junior match of the year, match of the year. Like, yeah, it's incredible match. And so, uh, last question for you, Chris. So, how long have you been doing like the wrestling stats that you've been doing? So, I mean, in honesty, I've been looking at these types of stats for as long as I could find them. Um, but when it comes to like organizing them and putting them out there, I really started with um, well, I kind of did like a dry run on Best of Super Juniors, where I was just kind of pulling them together for myself. Um, and then I figured it was just time to find an outlet for them um, during the G1 of this year. So, and, and luckily enough, Kevin Kelly picked up on them. And then um, I started working with Voices of Wrestling to kind of do some deeper dive stuff um, on either each match or, or um, you know, each tournament. So I have always been kind of a baseball nerd. Mm-hmm. And so like sabermetrics and like deep uh, kind of, indicator stats um have always been really intriguing to me so i kind of took that and i decided to to move that into professional wrestling which um has been 
kind of an interesting challenge because um, kind of each company looks at things differently and some companies don't um, don't care and you know and it, it's not a part of their narrative but with you know new Japan felt like the right initial audience and then um, you know I also do some stats for aew um, and those seem to be kind of catching on with the aew community too so um, but the the kind of how they lend themselves to the narrative are, are different for the for the two different companies so um, but really I mean like I've I'm pretty pretty fresh to this still I'm you know but the the G1 was a great introduction to it and it seemed to kind of catch on so I'm I'm running with it nice and yeah dude I do love the your uh, AEW stats especially since you know the win-loss records a big part of the narrative for them and checking on your stats after dynamite and after AEW dark seeing who's moved up the line like all right cody's ranked number one so that makes sense that he's the number one contender and you kind of see all the ranks in all different divisions so i think it's pretty cool that you're keeping that updated every week and kind of seeing like how the win losses play out and then you know is it kind of matching up to what they're doing on tv right and that's that's kind of my approach i just launched the the new japan 2019 stats on sport of and um, same approach there, like kind of figuring out how how did we get to where we are, right? So like everything with New Japan builds towards Wrestle Kingdom. So, you know, with, when the card drops for that, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how how well it aligns. And I think we'll probably talk about that as we talk about um, Power Struggle a little bit. One thing um, while we're on the uh, subject of stats, so, you know, Chris, you said that you were a bit of a lapse fan. So I'm, I'm sure you maybe weren't necessarily paying as close attention, but since you're a stats guy, do you remember when Evolve first uh, launched and uh, stats and records were like a big port, a big part of what they were doing as far as like the early phase of that company? I do. Okay. I, I do remember that. So, I mean, um, obviously they ended up kind of going away from that because of the challenges it presented to them from a booking standpoint. Um, do you think that like with, I know we're not an AEW show, but I, I want to get your opinion on this because obviously New Japan, they rely heavily on wins and losses, but they don't, you know, put the the, the stats and the records out there. I think cause they don't want to be pigeonholed into being beholden to the, to it in a strict sense, the way that maybe AEW is going to have to be. Um, what do you, what's your kind of opinion? Do you see this being something that AEW can, um, you know, continue to do or are they going to run into the same issues that Evolve did? Or, you know, what, what's your kind of take on, on how all that, like, will transpire long-term, especially them being, like, a weekly television show? Sure. I don't think that they're going to end up where Evolve did because they they have a signed group of talent. Um, so they're going to be able to kind of work their way through it, whereas Evolve, um, mm-hmm. they, you know, they had they had talent working elsewhere a lot. And, and potentially not not the same talent on every show. Um, at least eventually that's how Evolve ended up. So I think that they can. I think that they've gotten smarter even as they've gone along. Over, you know, this is AEW. I think as they've gone the six weeks or so um, of TV, they've gotten smarter with what they do with, say, like the dark matches, right. um, where it's a lot of bigger tags or it's... Um, you know, they're, they're doing some squash matches to, to kind of pad some records. They do these, um, the lights out matches that they, they use to kind of manipulate the, the win loss piece. So, um, I think that they can keep it up. I don't know, you know, like it's not a season though. So right. like, that's what, that's, what's interesting to me is yeah. like, um, wrestling is not seasonal and that that's what, so like, if I'm looking at back to new Japan, right? Like if I'm looking at new Japan, 
I'm looking Wrestle Kingdom to Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that seems like the obvious um, kind of run where like Wrestle Kingdom's probably the end of a season for for kind of a New Japan mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, you know, no American company, you know, aside from WWE, I guess, where they, they build towards WrestleMania. But we've even seen a lot of storylines start at WrestleMania. Um, there's no wrestling company in America that is is really truly running like big show to big show. Um, there's a lot of there's just so much weekly booking, and that's that's what generates the the, the challenge, I think. Yeah, inter- it's gonna be interesting to see uh, what they end up doing if you know one of their like the Las Vegas show Double or Nothing ends up being like their big WrestleMania show, or they establish some other show as their kind of big go to, and what kind of starts their year and ends their year, so. I think I think for me I'm a bit of not to the same level that you are Chris because I don't think I have the analytical mind for it but I'm a bit of a stats nerd myself and you know being a big combat sport fan um, you know I just start thinking of it in those kinds of like uh, you know in those kinds of terms because like if you watch boxing or MMA I mean someone who's really active in those you know if you fight five six times a year that's extremely active and you know obviously you compare that to like what it's going to be in AEW, and I mean, they're definitely moving more towards lots of tags. It's almost New Japan-esque in a sense, which is smart. But, I mean, if if someone like, say, Kenny Omega has even 10 or 12 singles matches, and he'll probably have more than that, I'm guessing, but even if he had that many, that's a lot of, you know, record-keeping. I'm almost guessing that they're going to have to um, create their own narrative about what the records even mean because you're not going to see guys that go 21 and 0 and stuff like that. It's like almost impossible, you know? And I think that's super interesting because we've never really seen that in wrestling, you know? Right. I mean, so like with AEW, my, what, what I wait most is the last five matches. Um, and then what I, I wait next most is the last 10. Mm. Um, and what, so when I'm looking at new Japan with the rankings that I just put up on sport of pro wrestling.com, um, I'm waiting the last 30 days and I'm waiting the last 90 days because of the tours because of the tours because of the the tag pins things like that so like all that stuff's kind of included um in in kind of how we're we're building that out so it it like I said it's kind of different how especially these two companies the two companies that are really focused on a sports like feel um that are kind of at the top of the at the top of the conversation here like they it's totally different because new japan has these this heavy touring schedule and AEW has maybe six shows between big big pay-per-views man that's super interesting i like i <laughs> yeah, love <man>. this stuff <laughs> yeah so guys check out that stuff on sportofprowrestling.com also he has stuff on voicesofwrestling.com coming out weekly so a lot of great uh, stuff from chris a lot of great stats man Hey man, appreciate it. Let's talk New Japan. Yeah, man. So uh, before we jump into Power Struggle, October is over. November is here. We've got to talk about the October match of the month and the October wrestler of the month. Um, this was one of these months where Josh and I disagree. Were, yeah, <laughs> we were kind of <laughs> completely separate on where we wanted to go. I was leaning more towards Osprey versus ELP from King of Pro Wrestling. Josh was leaning more. Towards Suzuki and Liger, but there was also some great stuff from the Super Junior Tag League. We had um, Birds of Prey against Bullet Club and Birds of Prey versus the Mega Coaches. And so, I'd say those are our two highest rated tag matches from from the Super Junior Tag League, right? Yeah, and so we threw out a poll on Twitter today, kind of see what our followers are kind of uh, thinking. And um, the poll ended up with uh, Suzuki and Liger winning out with uh, 37%. 
So we're going to go with... Well, let's be very clear here. It was one vote. It, it won by one vote. And that match in and of itself was, even though I liked the match a lot, I understand it's a very divisive match. There were a lot of people who, when they rated it, I saw reviews all over the place on this one. And I kind of feel similar to the ELP Will Ospreay match as well, just depending. Like I saw, like Dave gave it four and a half. I saw people giving it under four. I saw people giving it near five, like... Ratings were all over the place for both these matches. Yeah, but um, Suzuki and Liger definitely had a more kind of um, it was more impactful just from a, a historical standpoint. Being one of Liger's, you know, last big matches at King of Pro Wrestling, this feud had been built up all year, and just the significance of it. Um, so definitely in that regard, definitely outweighs Osprey and ELP. And King of Pro Wrestling was in Ryogoku. Yeah, so I think it's his last match in Ryogoku. Just the the year long build. The the historic nature of the match I, I think it probably is the, the right choice For match of the month And um, yeah, we're going with the Suzuki and Liger Although Jeremy's match of the month is Will Ospreay and the LP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you think about both of those matches, Chris? Well, my match of the month was Birds of Prey versus the Mega Coaches So <laughs> I'm completely out of the conversation here But I think the Suzuki-Liger match I went back and rewatched it um, Kind of taking my expectations out of it because I I'd seen it. Um, and it, that's a great match. Um, but I, I thought those guys were literally going to murder each other. Right. Um, and then they, you know, they had a classic pro wrestling match, but if you take out kind of the expectation of the, of the build and, and I don't think you can fairly do that. I think that was a great match. Um, and Osprey, I mean, Osprey ELP, like those guys can always deliver. Yeah, those and guys. I'm pretty sure EOP's head is rolling from the um, hidden blade that that Will Osprey hit. <laughs> that, that might still be the best like hidden blade that he's ever, you know, done ever. Yeah, I he, mean, he I was him. fearful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just so nasty. <laughs> uh, but speaking of Will Osprey, he's going to be our wrestler of the month for October. Based off of that ELP match, all the Birds of Prey matches in the Super Junior Tag League, this guy's just continuing to have an incredible year. Was there anybody else that we even could have hypothetically... I mean, <laughs> I mean, Chris, maybe you're the person that might be able to weigh in. You know the stats and the ratings for the month. Uh, it's Osprey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by, by my count, Osprey would have a good shot at Wrestler of the Month most months this year just because by pure volume yeah um the dude's just he just keeps working yeah and i think this is what the fourth time he's won this year for us i don't know man like if you well our our wrestler of the year our wrestler of the year goes from uh december to november and i think he was the wrestler of the month last december it, he, it might be five or six times this year <laughs> that he's been wrestler of the month yeah. like this guy's just, I, I know I, I don't know I don't want to like sway opinions but like I don't see how anybody else could win wrestler of the year this year like I really don't see it just based off volume yeah and consistency like I don't see it I mean I'll drop a stat he has in singles matches he has been in the ring 11 hours 21 minutes and 35 <laughs> seconds <laughs> oh wow oh that's insane which is um here let me let me get it for sure I'm pretty sure I, it could, is, I could do like a, an 11 hour uh, Will Ospreay marathon. <laughs> it is three hours more than the next most in New Japan, which is Kazuchika, uh, it's Kazuchika Okada at eight hours and 25 minutes. So 
he and that's just singles matches. And that's oh. just New Japan. Yeah. And that's just New Japan, correct. Oh, oh my, my gosh, God. that's crazy. <laughs> like he is just I mean, that's a, that's insane. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of work. <laughs> and we're going to be having our year in award voting dropping at the end of this month and you know, we're not supposed to sway the listeners and the voters, but I'm like if Osprey does not win Wrestler of the Year, like <laughs> I'm gonna be pissed off. <laughs> I I mean I can see arguments people can make uh, based off of anything other than volume of match quality. Like you know what I mean? Like you can definitely like th- make arguments for like certain guys, and we'll, we'll we'll have the announcements. But you know your Bushis, your Shingos, your Okadas, all sorts of people. But like when you just look at the overall, how many? Who had the most great matches this year? And consistently, nobody. Nobody. Right. Nobody's in the same league as this guy. And if you consider the stuff he did outside of New Japan, which I, I know we're not taking all that into consideration, but I mean, it's like it's not even close. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it is crazy. It, it's unprecedented, literally. <laughs> like, it is. It's unprecedented. And I mean, could he end up in World Tag League too? I mean, at this point, they may as well finish the cycle. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping he does. I know there's going to be a press conference that'll be airing by the time this show drops with some announcements for Wrestle Kingdom. I'm sure they'll announce the teams for World Tag League. And I'm having my fingers crossed. I would love to see you know put him in like Ishii or somebody or, or Goto. That's the team. Yes. I want. <laughs> him and him yes. and him and Ishii have so many off like. I don't think they've teamed together a lot, but last year, I think they had a series of uh, matches on a certain tour. I don't remember. It might have even been, like, Destruction. I'm not sure, but, like, it was awesome. So now we're going to uh, move on to our Power Struggle review. So Power Struggle, we were in Osaka, Japan, and Edian Arena, and had an attendance of 5,558, which I believe is a sellout for that arena. So packed house here for Power Struggle. Um Things opened up with Bulldore Jr., Teton, TJP, and Clark Connors defeating Jushin Liger, Tiger Mask, Krusuke Taguchi, and Yuya Yamura at six minutes. Um, what do you guys think about this match? You go ahead first, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I think this was your your standard um, bunch of guys that didn't make it to the end um, from a league, and then you throw in uh, Liger, of course, to get him on the card. Um, what I thought was the most interesting thing about this match was um, the disparity between Clark Connors and Yuya Yamura and like how they're acting um, and how they're interacting with kind of the more established wrestlers. So you've got Clark Connors who's still slapping away the handshakes and um, walking out of the ring and you've got Yuya Yamura who's taking the handshake and um, kind of being taken under Tiger Mask's wing. So that was kind of the story piece for me. The match itself was fine. I like TJP a lot. I hope he keeps showing up in New Japan. Um, but uh, I think the the story piece here was was Connors and Yurimura. Young boy? Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a, uh, you know, a story element there between the feud that's been ongoing between the LA Dojo and the... Uh, the Tokyo Dojo, and um, he's absolutely right. I mean, there's there's disparity between the way that these two different young lions are sort of behaving. Um, usually, though, I would say this. Usually, I think Yumura would have slapped the hand away because that we've seen him do that many times in the past. Mm-hmm. But on this night, it was like he was like compelled and overwhelmed with like respect for them that he had to, you know. So I don't know if that's going to be like a. Um, 
a character development or if that was more of like a one-off because it was a special moment, you know, sort of thing. It almost, it almost kind of gave me that vibe for, you know, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, like you guys said, yes, it was a solid opening matchup here. And man, I popped when Liger slapped the crap out of Clark Connors. <laughs> <laughs> it was so hard. He had to like take a powder and like TJP like checked on him on the outside. Um, but yeah, both these guys, um, Connors and Yamora, two young lines, they look, looked really great during this junior tag league tournament. And it was kind of fun with Valdor and Teton. And like you, Chris, uh, love TJP. And I hope we see more of him um, going into the remainder of the year and uh, beginning of next year. I'd love to see him in best of the super juniors. But yeah, your standard kind of opening tag match here. Get these guys from the league um, on the card. And it was fun stuff. CMLL team looked really good. Uh, but the main thing for me, I'm not ready for Liger to leave. Yeah, bro, it's, like it's not sinking in yet. Like they keep saying it, and I'm not ready for it. <laughs> um, and we have a question here from Reddit user Grunty Dodds says, "I'm still relatively new to NJPW. Last episode, you said that new fans like me wouldn't realize that Rich Gaguchi was one of the best juniors in the world. What matches should I go back and watch?" Whew. Taguchi, big match Taguchi. Uh, well, the first one I would say, like right off the uh, top of my head, were would be his match with Will Osprey, um, best Super Junior Finals from what was it two years ago? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a near five star match. That's one you definitely want to check out. A um, couple other ones that come to mind. I really, you know, I really like the matches he had with um, with Kenny when Kenny was the cleaner for the junior title. Mm-hmm. Um, those were fun. Um, you have to see the uh, the the match with him and um, I think I can't remember if the if it was a Texas Death match or Last Man Standing, but the match he had with um, Prince Devitt before Prince Devitt left New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, that's a huge payoff to that storyline between the two of them. Uh, the 2017 uh, Best Super Junior match against Kushida. Oh, yeah, the Kushida match is really good. Uh, him and Hiromu had a great uh, Best Super Junior match last year in 2018 as well. Um, I think he had a, a Matt Seidel match in uh, Best Super Junior, I think, 2016. It was also pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, a majority of his Best of Super Juniors singles matches against the guys you expect are all worth a watch. Chris, any... any uh uh, any Taguchi matches you really like? Well, I had all of those written down. Um, <laughs> and that was, that, I didn't, I did not write down the Seidel match, but it's, he's just not someone I usually look for, but yeah, I was going to mostly put over the Hiromu match. I just thought that that was awesome. I think most of what he's done in singles work and in best of super juniors. Um, if you see an opponent that you're particularly interested in, you're probably going to get a good match with Taguchi. Oh, one, one that comes to mind, uh, what was what was the team name with him and Ricochet? Funky Future. Yeah, the Funky Future versus Young Bucks match. They had two matches. Um, both are, are both are around four and a quarter. They're really 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 good stuff. And then, um, you know, the Apollo Fifty Five matches against. Um, I mentioned that the other day. The Apollo Fifty Five matches against uh, Golden Lovers. Uh, they had like a four or five match series. I think three or four of them happened here in New Japan. You definitely have to see those. So, yeah, great stuff from the coach, man. Uh, so and, and there's a lot we're overlooking. This is just stuff that's on the top of my head from the last couple years. I mean, you know, Taguchi's a very, very long tenure to accomplish junior. I'm sure, like, if you do an even deeper dive, you'll find more great stuff, honestly. 
Yeah, we might need Chris to do a, a stats column on uh, Taguchi. <laughs> Listen, I'll do it. <laughs> Anytime I can watch Taguchi, I'm I'm kind of in on it. He's um he's fun. Um, but he's also very he's good. He's a good wrestler. I mean, there's a reason Rocky Romero wants to tag with him. I mean, it makes sense that he's the coach. <laughs> yeah. So next up on Power Struggle, we had Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasmo defeating the team of Robbie Eagles and Rocky Romero, eight minutes and 45 seconds. What do you guys think about this one? You go first, Chris. I thought that it was good. I think, you know, again, it was a story-driven match. I think that um, Ishimori and Fantasmo are really leaning into this um, kind of bratty heel thing. Um but I really enjoy Robbie Eagles. I think he's going to be, you know, he's he's someone to watch next year. So um, seeing his interactions with these guys, especially as he pulled out a bullet club earlier this year, um, that's kind of the long-term story there. So, I mean, otherwise, you know, in ring, the match was uh, as expected. Um, I liked it enough. Yeah, this... This wasn't blow away, but, you know, you had the backstory that you kind of allude to, Chris, with um, Robbie Eagles and, you know, his uh, previous iteration being in the Bullet Club, teaming with these guys and the breakup. Uh, one of the, the ongoing stories in New Japan. And then, obviously, the feud between Rocky Romero and El Fantasma, which has played itself out this year. So you kind of have a nice little, you know, rivalry between the, the all the guys involved here. Not a great match. Um, it was fun, though. It second, you know... From the bottom so i mean it kind of fits its role they got eight minutes and um eight minutes and some change they definitely maximized that time and i i thought the match was really solid i thought it, it told a good story and uh everybody got their stuff in lots of shine i i enjoyed it i thought it was really good and entertaining yeah really solid match i loved um there's a spot in this match you know uh phantasma was doing his normal the rope walk spot and rocky tries to cut him off and then he ends up like getting uh, Rocky up with a Death Valley driver. This and spot was crazy. Doing the rope walk with the Death Valley driver position. That was awesome. Uh, in, in a pretty, I don't want to call it pedestrian, but it was, you know, by the numbers, you know, New Japan tag undercard match. That was something that really stood out. Um, that was like the spot of the match. It was pretty, pretty nuts. And we have a question here from Reddit user DomHomie101. He says, is it me or does it feel like we meet, we may see Liger versus ELP in the near future? What do you think, Chris? I think they got to do it, um, especially if they see ELP as someone who they're going to build the junior division around in the future. Um, I think you got to get that match with Liger in. I just don't know where where you do it. I don't think that's Liger's last match. Um, and I think that ELP teased it during um what was that super j cup yeah during super j cup yeah yeah but um i haven't seen anything towards that since then um but i think that i I do i think you got to get that on the books with the lp if you want him to be a part of the the junior division going forward yeah and we know we got a new japan showdown coming up um this this weekend that's going to be airing from san jose i think that would kind of be a great spot to get that match on before, you know, Wrestle Kingdom season truly rolls in. Isn't that Liger's last match in, in the States? Yeah. So, yeah. So he's going to get beat by ELP on American soil. That sucks. <laughs> 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 but no, they've, they've definitely teased it. Now, I will say this. Um, it, if they don't do this match, it wouldn't be the first time that, they ha- that they've teased um, a feud for Liger and then there, you know, wasn't a payoff. Because I remember... Um, 
remember the U.S. shows last year and um, who was it? Marty Skrull got in the ring. It was the stuff with Mysterio. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, yeah, they, yeah. and they definitely teased something between Marty Skrull and um, and Liger, and that kind of never happened. But there's, there does seem to be more legs underneath this. So I could see them doing it maybe here at that San Jose show. Possibly could they do it at, like, World Tag League Finals? Possibly, yeah. That's a possibility. Yeah, that would be the only other... The only other kind of big show that I would imagine they would even try it at. But, but I swear to God, if ELP is Liger's last, like, you know, opponent, and then at that point, like, ELP beats Liger in the Tokyo Dome, I will freaking... <laughs> I swear to God. I don't think you'd be alone in that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love ELP, but, and I, I don't want that. So, yeah, hopefully it's one of these shows before Wrestle Kingdom. Also, you know, the the last kind of road to Tokyo Dome shows, they've been kind of doing some big matches. Remember we had that um, that Osprey and Tanahashi versus Golden Lovers match that happened like that last road to Tokyo Dome show? So maybe they do a big match on that, that, that show of ELP and Liger? It's possible, like a final countdown. Maybe they have a couple matches for Liger. I don't know what we end up with there, but... Um, I, I really won't be surprised if, if it does end up being that San Jose show. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll, we'll be getting that card for that show on the, the press conference that will be happening. Yeah, I was going to say we're probably uh, post-dating ourselves here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we always are, literally. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the wheels never stop turning in Japan. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so uh, next up on this Power Struggle card, we had the LIJ trio of Evil, Sonata, and Shingo Takagi. Taking on the team of Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki, and Lance Archer. Nine minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, young boy, let you go first this time. What do you think about this one? Uh, so this was interesting. Um, you know, uh, we're still not that far removed from the rumors about uh, Suzuki and his role in the company. And so when you see him in a multi-man match teamed up with Zack Sabre Jr. and Lance Archer, you know, the British and, and U.S. champions respectively, you, you know, it kind of got my... Uh, my interest peaked just a bit to kind of see what what was going to happen here, but ultimately it really just turned out to be a match that's uh, heavily a preview match to set up uh, multiple feuds here. We got to see a lot of interaction between Zack Saber Jr. and Sonata. You know, um, we've been seeing that kind of play itself out over the past month and past tour or so. Um, same thing with um, Archer and uh, Evil. But what was really interesting here, and all all of that was good action, but man, the interactions. Between Shingo and Suzuki, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, incredible, hell yeah. Uh, this match was cool. It wasn't like a great match, but it was like three great matches kind of happening simultaneously, <laughs> like within the same match. It was almost like a Texas tornado to a certain. It was very chaotic, but uh, yeah, man, this Shingo and Suzuki stuff. I'm I'm interested in that. I want more of that. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, same. I think that this was your typical. Um, you know, match to set up a bunch of different matches. So, I mean, even Archer grabbing the English commentary and calling out David Finley uh, for a U.S. title match at Super Showdown. Is that what the show's called? Um, and, yeah, uh, I think we're going to get Saber and Sonata, and I think we're going to end up getting Suzuki and Shingo. And um, depending on how World Tag League plays out, I mean, maybe you see some more build towards those, and, and they make those into really big matches for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, definitely. I agree with both of you guys. This match uh, was a lot of fun of all the kind of interactions that they're building. Um, as soon as I saw this match, I was, I was thinking that Sonata was going to get the pin on Sabre just because 
all tour, those two have been kind of mixing it up, and I think that kind of made sense to kind of give Sonata another big uh, singles title match in the near future. And it looks like, you know, we got two nights at the Dome to fill, and we've seen the British title defended before at Wrestle Kingdom. So I definitely can see Sonata challenging Sabre for the Rev Pro um, Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. And also with Suzuki and Shingo, I can see that match being a big Wrestle Kingdom match, and I hope that's where it happens because these guys just have incredible interactions when they're just trading strikes for each other and challenging each other to knock each other out. It's just some epic stuff, and I just think a one-on-one matchup with those guys is going to be incredible and tear the house down. What's the show in in uh, America going to be called? New Japan Showdown. Oh, it's not Super Showdown. No. Okay, that's uh, my bad. No, that's the um, that's one of the Saudi Arabia shows. I was like, I was like, 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 aren't those like the Saudi shows (laughs) or the Australia one, whatever one it was? (laughs) So many showdowns. Yeah. (laughs) No, because what were the the ones we the the um, New Japan ones were were what Southern Showdown? Oh, in uh, in Melbourne, yeah, yeah, Southern Showdown. showdown. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so anyways. Uh, back back to these matches, you know, we had a question a few weeks ago about where we kind of saw the placement of certain guys like Sonata and Evil uh, come Wrestle Kingdom time, and I was like, I don't know, tag tag league, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that would make a lot of sense. You know, Sonata has, uh, a, you know, going back to stats, uh, Sonata has um, a winning record in singles competition in uh, Rev Pro. The only person he's had a, a loss to in Rev Pro is. Zack Sabre Jr. when he challenged for the title earlier this year. And since then, he's defeated Zack, um, um, you know, uh, in Dallas when we were there at, at G1 uh, opener uh, first night. So, uh, and then, you know, he got the the, the big uh, roll-up victory here was really, really kind of surprising and awesome. I mean, it's not like people have never rolled up Zack, but anytime you see it happen, it still gets you just because the reputation he has as a, as a technical wrestler, and then you see someone get the the pin on him, and you're like, heck yeah! <laughs> so um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sonata and Zack Saber Jr. later in the year. Yeah, and I feel like Sonata—they've been kind of pushing him as the one guy who can like keep up with Saber or even out wrestle him. We've seen in their G1 matches, he's kind of kind of going to hold a hole and been able to do like the European clutch to beat him and stuff like that. Um, so again, that surprise win here. I mean, it wasn't too surprising since they've kind of had him on the same level as Saber, but it was kind of a, a great moment for Sonata. And I definitely think we'll be getting that title match down the line. Yeah, they've traded a lot of victories back and forth over the past two years with one another. Um, I actually had a question from somebody in my, someone, uh, a listener of the show jumped into my um, DMs and they were like, what's it called when, you know, Lucha style wrestlers have that kind of um, Lucha ground based, you know, submission style. And I was like, I think it's either called Yave or Yaveo. But like anytime I try to look into it and Google it, I find nothing. But I hear them mention that on on commentary all the time, and like I know like a lot of the guys that practice that in uh, you know over in um, Mexico. But like yeah, definitely Sonata's versed in that style, and I love seeing Sonata and Zach kind of you know clash those two different styles, very World of Sport esque. Yep. So we had some questions here from Reddit. Uh, first from Reddit user Zach Saber Time. He says, "What about ZSJ in the double title scene?" He said a while ago he wanted to trash the IC title and the heavyweight title. His words. I think he was just trying to help put the story on. Um, I don't think he's. I don't think he's involved in that conversation, especially after what we saw at the end of Power Struggle. 
You know what my thing is? I think originally, and maybe I'm wrong here, I think he was intended to be Naito's opponent to uh, propel him into the scene. But wasn't there something that happened recently where um, he was unable to attend one of the shows because of travel issues? Oh, yeah, he missed missed King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know for a fact because maybe my timeline is off, but I feel like they weren't able to set up that angle because he couldn't be there and they slotted Taichi there. I think he I think he was talking about the double title scene because he was intended to be the guy. But maybe that's just wishful thinking because I didn't I wasn't necessarily wanting to see a Tai Chi Naito <laughs> match again. But that's what I thought was actually happening, honestly. Yeah, I think he was the only other reasonable um kind of option to be kind of the hurdle for Naito to get in there. So it that wouldn't that that does align with kind of what I was thinking too. And then, you know, we ended up with Tai Chi. Yeah, the only reason why I think Tai Chi was the guy was just based off what happened in the G1. Tai Chi got that big win over Naito in the G1, and like they showed it as part of the BTR for the match on this show. And Tai Chi was expecting an IC title match from Naito. So I, I think Tai Chi was kind of the guy, but, I mean, Sabre could have been the guy too. No, see, Jeremy, here's the thing. They always have, they always have contingency plans. <laughs> this man Gato, he's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so next question comes from our buddy Chris Lings uh, here on Social Suplex. He oh, said, Chris was live at this show. Shout out to Chris. He was. Yeah, Chris. Was oh, yeah. I know he was at the Noah show. I didn't know he went to this show. Also, he went to this show, the Big Japan show, and the Noah show. And uh, yeah, he sent me this random video. He's like drinking with this Japanese guy. He's like, he's like, we don't speak the same language, but he, he saw my Mick Foley shirt. Now we're best friends. And they're like, they're drinking like copious amounts of uh, <laughs> what's the Strong rice? Zero. Oh. No, the rice wine. What's it called? I, I forget the name of stuff. You drink at Japanese restaurants? Sake? Yeah, sake. They're drinking a bunch of sake. And, like, Chris just bombed, and I'm like, yes, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he says, Kenta versus Ishii uh, was everything I was hoping for and then some. So when are we going to get Minoru Suzuki versus Shingo? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, special singles match at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Yep. I mean, Put it on the big stage. I don't know if Suzuki is actually leaving or not, but if he were to leave, let's say, hypothetically. Uh, I know where you're going. This is the match I'd want to see him. Oh, I'm, I'm not speculating. Are, are you talking about Shingo taking over? Absolutely. <laughs> Shingo-goon? I, no, Shingo-goon. There, Takaki-goon. There, there's a lot of people who think that's a possibility. I'm actually, I'm not that much a conspiracy theorist. I just, I just want to see these, like, if there's a guy I want to see him go out against, I think Shingo's the perfect person to go out against, but... There is a lot of um, groundswell and support for uh, like a Shingo goon or a Takagi goon for sure. Yeah, and you know, I think putting over Shingo on the way out, if he's leaving, you kind of establish Shingo as a, that, that new tough guy, like the new BMF that you don't want to mess with. So whether or not Shingo's taking over, I think it would be a kind of a great way for Suzuki to go out. Even if he's not going out, I still think it would be great for him to put over Shingo here. BMF, you think he should get his own title? Maybe. <laughs> Dana, White, Dana White's got it in the in production already. <laughs> the Shingo FTW title. Yeah. But the uh, the New York State Athletic Commission will stop the match early. <laughs> <laughs> They've already screwed us enough this year, sir. <laughs> uh, so next uh, question from Reddit user DomHobie101. He says, could we see Shingo versus Suzuki and Sonata versus Sabre Jr. at Wrestle Kingdom, or will we see these matches happen before the Dome shows? 
Well, the good thing is we have gotten all the major shows for the rest of the year out of the way. The only real hurdle we have in front of us is the uh, World Tag League, which we will painstakingly be watching. <laughs> <laughs> but um, other than the finals, which usually don't have too many big matches, we're looking at Dome. Dome. We're, we're going to Wrestle Kingdom. You know, Tokyo Dome is the destination. And unless, the, unless they pay something off at either Tag League or a U.S. show, you know, they're going to do it at Tokyo Dome. Yeah, I mean, they got they got two nights to fill, so I think those they will got be... got two nights to fill. Um, unless there's a Rev Pro show that they want to they put Sonata and Sabre Jr. on, but I don't That's think that they would build that that heavy. I don't, I don't know their schedule, though. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with their schedule either, but yeah, it seems like they're definitely kind of building it for a New Japan show. Bro, think about this. Freak. <laughs> Two nights of Wrestle Kingdom back to back, and then New uh, Year's Dash. New Year's Dash. New Year's Dash. <laughs> <laughs> like, are we just calling out of work? Like, what I, we- <laughs> I am. <laughs> what if we oh, got I've already here? got that taken care of. <laughs> yeah, I'm calling out. Yeah, I'm putting in some PTO. I'm just gonna be home watching New Year's Dash that day. <laughs> what a little treat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now we move on. We got uh, Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi that defeated the team of Kazuchika Okada. And Yoshihashi, nine minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this one? You know, I wanted, and I, this is the point, I know, I, I got caught up in it. I wanted more Okada-Ibushi um, interaction. Uh, what we got was was good. Um, they're going to they're gonna keep building that towards, uh, towards the Dome. Um, you know, no surprise here that Yoshihashi eats the pin. And, um, and Tanahashi... Uh, um, Tanahashi comes out on top Yeah I mean clearly With uh, Yoshihashi being In this match clearly he was a you know The designated pin eater here you know One of these things is not like the other And you know he did, he did have a good little flurry At the end against um, Tanahashi and getting Some near falls but at the end of the day He was there to do that J-O-B Took that high fly flow And um, And um, that team won Tanahashi and Ibushi got the win yeah, I was thoroughly impressed with Yoshihashi, believe it or not. <laughs> it's like not something you hear me say every day. Uh, even when he is good in matches, I'm like, well, you know, he had a good performance, but uh, he's Yoshihashi, so he still sucks. <laughs> but here he actually was really good. Like, uh, I mean, I guess it's not too hard to be good when you're like when you're surrounded by like Tanahashi, Okada, and Ibushi. Like, you know, you have to you have to try really hard to be actively bad when you're surrounded by those guys. But um, he uh, he had a really good run towards the end of this match and was pretty compelling and you know um, seeing all these guys mix it up this was pretty good it wasn't the best preview match I'm hoping that we get better preview matches down the road between Abushi uh, um, and Okada because right now as great as that match is gonna be I'm not really feeling the hype for it just yet and I guess we'll talk more about that later but this didn't do a lot for me to like be super hyped for this match you know what I mean mm-hmm so uh, big news here after the match, uh, we get a video showing up with um, people kind of dressed up like Tanahashi and mocking Tanahashi, and it ends up being the pain maker, Chris Jericho, and he challenges Tanahashi for January 5th on the Tokyo Dome, the second night, and um, Tanahashi says he has nothing to do that night, he has no plans that night, so he accepts the challenge, so we got a match for January 5th, Tanahashi versus Jericho. I really really loved this video <laughs> seeing like hearing like the uh the tanahashi music and seeing all these people just like 
like rocking out and then like random like dark assorted like fists are just knocking out like Tanahashi supporters. I'm like, what the fuck is happening <laughs> right now? And I was like, I, at first I was like, pain maker, pain maker. Actually, there was a small part of me that was like, Kinney. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, this was a really cool video. Um, you know, I don't know, man. I'm kind of like, what the heck's going to be happening like January 5th? Are we going to be looking at the AEW champion coming to Japan to take on Tanahashi? Or, you know... I guess that's a discussion for a different podcast, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, that's not that far away. And I mean, this guy's, to my understanding, only has one big title defense coming up this weekend. So, I mean, is Tony Khan going to let his champion like come to Japan and face Tanahashi? It's really interesting stuff. It is the the kind of politics behind it are, are, are kind of interesting because everyone. There's a lot of people that want AEW and New Japan to work together, um, and I think there's a lot of people that want those two companies to stay separate. Um, I I wouldn't imagine Chris Jericho like walking out with the AEW belt, but um, I, I it wouldn't surprise me if he's still champion and he's showing up to Wrestle Kingdom. Um, you know, it's a big it's a big moment, it's a big spot, and uh, you know we've heard that some of those guys in New in uh, AEW have. Um, have deals that let them continue working uh, limited dates in, in Japan. So um, I kind of I, I keep calling the Chris Jericho New Japan matches the Chris Jericho retirement tour because um, he's just like knocking off all these dream matches. Yep. You know that's not to say that that's a bad thing, but um, Tanahashi's the next uh, the next great match for him, I think. And I you know it could be good. Yeah. Um- Definitely pumped with the Jericho video, and it's going to be interesting to see this Jericho-Tanahashi match. It's a match I didn't think was possible until recently. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they kind of go like the whole like no DQ route with some of his other matches um, to kind of help both those guys out. But I think both of those guys can have a great standard pro wrestling match, uh, especially just with the just the aura of both those guys and the, the first-time big matchup. And like you were saying, Chris, if – Jericho is still the AEW champion. When that uh, match happens, I could see him not walking out with the belt, especially if he ends up losing. But I can see him winning that match, honestly. Well, a couple things are like, you know, there's a lot of speculation about who Liger's final opponent would be on January 5th. Evidently, it's not going to be Hiroshi Tanahashi since he's got a date with uh, Chris Jericho. So we can kind of uh, knock that one off the list. But here's the other thing. Tony Khan is a smart man, okay? Because... They're fine with Jericho being the champion because what did we do in the olden days when you had a world champion and you sent him far away? You made sure he was a shooter. This man, Chris Jericho, is a freaking shooter. This is the same man who beat up Bill Goldberg. Ain't no way Hiroshi Tanahashi shooting on this man and taking the win. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got the juice effect now? Yeah, he's got the juice effect. He'd be knocking, like, the fuck out of people. Like, there's no way. No. Like, they're like, oh, Jericho, Jericho's going over there. Yeah, we can keep the bell on him. He's fine. He can I also think himself. I think Jericho's in better shape now, now that he's been wrestling a little bit more frequently uh, on the AEW um, calendar. That so and DDPY. Think, <laughs> yeah, right. And he'll tell you all about it after this break. Um, but he's, I think he could do just a traditional match with Tanahashi just based on the fact that he's probably way closer to ring shape than um, than he has been before when he's come over. That's true. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I have a question here from Reddit user DomHomie101. He says, would it be really cool to see Tanahashi versus Jericho have an actual build to their match more than just the usual? 
since we know about Jericho's plan to Wrestle Kingdom, what do you guys think will be in store for John Moxley? So I guess first let's talk about the Tanahashi Jericho build. Um, you know, with Jericho, he kind of kind of comes in and out with these New Japan shows, and you don't get the preview matches. You don't really get you know the week to week show to show kind of build because he shoots the one promo and then pretty much some match happens. So would you guys like him to kind of do some more? Uh, videos or more angles leading up to Wrestle Kingdom? I, I guess my thing is like, aside from doing preview matches, what hasn't he done to build the, his previous feuds? The one match he's ever had in New Japan that didn't have a good build was the Okada match. Other than that, there was nothing but fantastic builds for the Evil match, for the Naito matches, for the Kenny Omega match. All those had really fantastic feuds with attacks and angles and videos and promos. The only thing we didn't have were preview matches. So I don't really know what more they could do to try and build it given the type of product that New Japan is. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm not really sure what else we would want. You know what I mean? Yeah, what do you think, Chris? I think the only thing that I would like to see and I'm hopeful for is that he just shows up at, at somewhere where Tanahashi is. Um, and does a, you know, his typical kind of run in quick spot, some sort of physical interaction. Um, I, you know, we're not going to get a preview match. We're not going to get anything like that, but, um, you know, I, I also would like to see him build it on social media the, the way he has before. Um, he seems, I mean, he's super invested in AEW right now. Right. Um, but he clearly wants to get, he wants this match. Otherwise he wouldn't be coming over to do it. So um, you know, I think Jericho has shown time and time again that, you know, from a character work perspective, he's going to show up and he's going to figure out how to make the match compelling. Um, you know, but, but like I said, the one thing I want to see is, is, you know, one surprise, you know, interaction. Um, and hell, if they do it in San Jose, I think that'd be even better, but I, I would be pretty skeptical that that's going to happen. I yeah. mean, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. We've seen that, uh, you know, AEW guys, obviously John Moxley couldn't compete in the, the G1 US show. So I'm sure Tony Khan not going to be a big fan of his guys doing US angles. But like I, I agree with you, Chris, I would love to see some kind of angle with Jericho and Tanahashi, with him just kind of jumping out on Tanahashi. Maybe you have him kind of, you know, disguised as a fan again. And Tanahashi, you know, wiping his sweat on the towels. And then Jericho just grab, jumps out and grabs him and beats him up, hits him with a juice effect, lays him out. Um, I definitely think we need some kind of angle like that going into this match. That's some fantastic fantasy booking you just did right there. <laughs> I mean, it's done. <laughs> but, Get um, Jericho the flight and, and book the date. Speaking of, uh, remember what? He showed up at the World Tag League Finals and attacked uh, Kenny that one year and bloodied him up, right? And uh, Yeah, wasn't was that yeah, Fuku Fukuoka is Jericho? Yeah, Fukuoka is Jer <laughs> Jericho. That was freaking awesome. So, I mean, he could, anything he does at this point, though, is going to be something he's done in the past. Like, no, there's nothing new about about that sort of stuff. I hope he does it because I'm a big fan of it. And I think there's been enough time to like before it seemed like he was doing it almost too often. And now, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. We haven't seen him since uh, Dominion. And before then it was even pretty sparse. So yeah, I would like to see an angle. That'd be cool. But, um, you know, Tanahashi's never been one in my opinion, especially to the uh, English speaking audience to really carry a feud when it comes to promos <laughs> or anything like that. So it's not like we're going to be getting these really compelling like video segments from uh, Tanahashi to build it up either. 
I really think this might end up just being billed as like a dream match, and they just go from there. Especially with how um, how invested Jer- now, if Jericho does a run in, I won't be surprised because that's his mo. But if if they end up just keeping him in America because he's so invested with AEW, and they don't bring him over to Japan, and maybe he just does another like promo video, and that's it. That's that would probably be my. I would bet that that would happen more so than him showing up in Japan. Honestly, at this point. Mm. And so, uh, second part of his question was asking about John Moxley. What do we think is in store for Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom? I have no clue, no idea. <laughs> I, I mean, the last time he did an interview with New Japan 1972.com, he talked about Suzuki, but um, right. Suzuki seems busy that day. Um, maybe at, by our by you know by what we're seeing, Suzuki's gonna gonna potentially take on Shingo. Um, so that's a tough call. I mean, I don't think you put him back in the U.S. title scene, um, and I don't think you can go back to Juice again. Let's just do Ishii again. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he probably needs something to do too. Yeah. I mean, with Suzuki, I mean, the shingle match will be one night. Maybe they could do a, a second night, Suzuki mm-hmm. and Moxley. Uh, but yeah, I'm that's to true. Except for it's starting to feel like we're not going to get a lot of guys pulling double duty night after night. Like I was going to say that too. It seems like they're, I mean, they're just they're not highlighting anybody doing that. They're not talking about that at all. I I was really anticipating a lot of that and kind of speculating about it. But you think about how large the roster is and how how many big storylines they can bring into it. And I mean, they're talking about guys having one match on each night. And that's it. Like, it doesn't... I think the only people who might be doing double duty are, like, the double title people and maybe Liger, and that might be it. Yeah. I think everyone else is going to be in, in one match on one night, and that will be their way of getting everybody on the card. And now, um, Lance Archer did t- tweet out a photo of um, John Moxley, or something like that. He tweeted at Ed Moxley with like a picture of his U.S. belt. So, could could there be an Archer-Moxley match? How would you guys feel about that? I think it, I think that's a good way to go. They probably could do that and should do that. The only thing is, is like, it it's really good for Archer. I don't know how good it is for uh, Moxley necessarily. Not to disparage um, Archer, but you know, Moxley is a pretty big star, and um, Archer's kind of just starting to like emerge as one. And I don't know if he's quite at that upper level just yet the way that they kind of portrayed Moxley. And so you would almost, you would almost think Moxley would be in a match with someone of the caliber of like a Tanahashi or Abushi, maybe not them, obviously, but someone of that caliber. And I'm not sure who they can really match him with at wrestle kingdom. It almost seems like juice is the guy they need to do it with just, the, but you know, the time is almost past on that. So I don't know. Yeah. And juice is not, I mean, he's not up to much clearly. Um, I think we're going to see juice in world tag league somehow. Um, yeah, but probably, uh, fin juice. Um, so with Moxley, I mean, you want to put him in a big spot if you got him. Uh, it's just like the IC belt is all tied up. The heavyweight obviously is all tied up, and the dream matches are kind of all tied up. Or he ran them in the G one. So um, it's that's a tough. I mean, it's a tough angle. And and to be honest, like I don't see New Japan putting a ton of weight or priority behind Moxley coming back for whatever reason. Um, and maybe that's like just the radio silence, and they're trying to build a surprise. But I don't. Um, 
there's no there's no clear angle and i think that's what's kind of fun about the build to wrestle kingdom you know these next whatever 60 some odd days um they're gonna pull some stuff out of their hat that we didn't expect this yeah. is what's gonna happen he's gonna wrestle kenny omega in the uh dark match the lights out match he's gonna lose he's gonna realize that he needs to go back to japan he needs to go back to the drawing board and get his killer instinct the way he's gonna do that world tag league <laughs> <laughs> He's With Shoto Amino. Yeah, he's gonna pull Amino back from excursion. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> and Death Riders will ride again. <laughs> All right, so now we're gonna move on to Tetsuya Naito versus Tai Chi. So where this card really picked up. And I'm gonna go first on this one because I freaking loved this match. This, I freaking love this match too, Jeremy. This was one <laughs> of uh, the best Naito and Tai Chi matches. You know, a lot of times we've Kind of complained about these guys, and we weren't really looking forward to this rematch. But these guys went out here and killed it. The build they've been doing on this tour, um, Naito snapping, and both of these guys just kind of, you know, trying to kind of one up each other and um, uh, seeing who's more tough. And these guys just kind of brought it here. There was no shenanigans, no no ref bumps, no you know iron claw, no microphone stand, none, none of that. These guys just went out here. No BS, all action, and just going back and forth. Um, tai Chi really brought it in this match. And, uh, you know, they didn't stay out there too long, like 13 minutes, and this was just an awesome match. What do you think, Chris? I love that um, Naito didn't do his, like, stall, take, his, take yep. his suit off thing. I love that he took it off outside the ring and got in the ring and just started beating on uh, Tai Chi. Um, that was my, I mean, it was my favorite part of the match. It was my favorite story piece in the match. I think that they, you know, they did a sprint and I think that that's what we needed from these two guys. Cause otherwise it would have been kind of a shrug kind of match that, that was obviously, you know, someone put in the way of Naito to get in, back into the conversation. So I think they booked this perfectly. Yeah, I was watching this match with uh, my girlfriend, and she's just now starting to kind of get into New Japan. She's a, she's a big wrestling fan, but doesn't know much about it. But she knows uh, she knows Naito, and he he when they started like just you know going at it and doing the the uh, inside clinch punching, she was like, "Isn't that the Tranquilo guy? Isn't that the guy who always kind of like stalls and he's like chill?" She's like, "He's not chill right now at all." <laughs> and I was like, "Nah, nah, he wants the smoke." <laughs> But uh, this match was freaking awesome. I mean, Tai Chi, I, I'm always, I think, and I think you are too, Jeremy, but I think I might even be a little bit more so. I've always been very high on the Naito Tai Chi matches. Say what you will about the feuds and the builds and all that, and there's a lot of history between these guys. I was, you know, I wasn't super stoked to see this match again, but the matches always, in my opinion, pretty much deliver. But I got to say, I do think this was the best match they've ever had against one another, especially in New Japan. And um, Taichi's got to be one of, if not outside of Archer, maybe the most improved in New Japan this year. Like, he has to be from a storyline perspective and character development-wise. I mean, he could always go, but, like, the days of the shenanigans, kind of, like, really shitty Taichi matches are kind of, like, they're still there, but they're fewer than... It's less. It's way less often. It's, like, you might get, like, two or three great matches and then one really kind of crappy match and um i can handle that like this naito taichi match was super hard hitting lots of uh all japan style like you know high angled uh suplexes and bumps 
These guys had a lot of drama. Like, I, I really, 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 really like this match. I'm surprised more people aren't talking about it. Like, we got no questions about it, and I, I can't believe it because this match freaking ruled. Yeah, uh, Naito brought back that uh, Northern Lights bomb, that snowplow driver. Oh. oh, man, dropped Tai Chi right on his head off that thing. Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, no. I nothing more on that. Gotcha. Yeah, so overall. That's uh, a Akira Hakotu's uh, move, the Northern Lights bomb. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, he he killed. He killed Taichi with that. Um, and then when there was the, when Taichi hit him with the... Um, <laughs> With the last ride powerbomb, I was like, oh, my God. Dude, I, thought, I, I thought he beat him. <laughs> so did I. I. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he got him on that near fall. I was like, what? <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I, was like, I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there were so many great spots. Poison Rana's, um, Tai Chi's Axe Bomber, uh, Naito busting out a dragon suplex towards the end. These guys were just. This is a great match. Really, really, really great. Um, you know, the, as much as it was about Naito overcoming Tai Chi to um, – Get himself in position to be You know possibly vaulted Into the title scene for Wrestle Kingdom Taichi was Every bit as impressive And looked like he belonged This was the first time that I really felt Like in their entire feud that he Looked like he belonged in the ring with Naito every other time including the G1 This past year it was like he had To kind of like skate by it to even Try get a victory on him Here Naito looked like he didn't almost belong with Tai Chi. Tai Chi was like the domineering one. He was pushing the pace. He, yeah. yeah, it was such a role reversal that you've ever seen between these two guys. I don't think we've ever seen that dynamic between them. And um, yeah, man, Tai Chi really stepped up here. It's a great match. So, so now we're moving on to the uh, Super Junior Tag Team Tournament Finals. We had Rapungi 3K and Suzuki Goon in the finals. So on that uh, show on Friday, we had um, Suzuki Goon. They beat. The Birds of Prey due to Bushi coming out and spitting the miss in Osprey's face, costing them the match. So that way, Birds of Prey would get out of the finals and Osprey would be forced to defend his title against Bushi. And then we had uh, Rapungi 3K defeating uh, Bullet Club in the main event of that show in order to move on to the finals, get that tie, get the tiebreaker, and keep Bullet Club out. And that brought us down to uh, Rapungi 3K and Suzuki Goon. Uh, young boy, what do you think about this? Um, so this was um, very, very interesting. I enjoyed. I liked the way that they told the story, where you know, um, with uh, Rapungi 3K coming in with their ailments and you know their injuries from the previous attack from uh, the uh, Suzuki Goon Juniors, um, they had a lot to kind of. You know, tried to overcome, and then you know, with uh, what's wrong with me? <laughs> with um, Desperado and um, Kanemaru kind of uh, attacking them before the bell and exploiting that, you literally had um, Rapungi 3K fighting from underneath the entire match, and it was like neither guy was healthy, so they were completely like just outmanned, outgunned. This was very Southern style, very, very, very like. You know Jim Crockett 19, circa 1986 the way that they worked this match and um, I actually I mean that's right up my alley and I, I enjoyed this a lot for you know uh, a duo of guys that we've seen these two teams we've seen them wrestle countless times last year and then even just in the past month two other times um, it you know this was a different kind of match than we've ever seen them have and a different pace 
And I liked the story element where when they were healthy, they couldn't beat these guys. Rapungi 3K, that is. Rapungi 3K couldn't beat them when they were healthy. So now they're coming in with all these ailments. And then these guys are st- are kicking up their cheating to the nth degree. Like, how are they going to overcome, <laughs> you know, this team that's given them trouble for the last, you know, almost two years now? Like, I, it was a great story, a really good match. I enjoyed it. Chris? Yeah, the only thing I didn't like about this match is that um, they started it after they had, uh, what, uh, Suzuki-Goon had beaten up um, show and left him on the ramp. Like, I don't, I don't love that. Um, and that kind of took me out of it at the beginning, but you know, ultimately like the story where, um, show and yo hadn't hit the three K, um, for the whole tournament. I think that was like a nice little piece. And, you know, once they finally hit it, like that brought the win. I thought that that was, that was good, but, um, you're right. That was a very, kind of Southern style match is very kind of like classic old school tag team, bad guy, good guy match. They nailed it. It was good. Um, I think, I don't think it was by any means the match of the tournament, but it, it advanced both um, kind of character sets. So it was, it was good. I I wanted a little bit more out of it. I wanted a a different pace, I think um, just based on my preference. As far as the opening uh, and your kind of, um, issue with that what would you have preferred that they that all the competitors actually be like on the apron and in the ring to start the match i just think it's a little weird yeah i think that they should have gotten in the ring bell rings and then they they knock out uh, one of the members and take him out because I, I just think it's so weird when a referee starts a match and there's a one of the tag members is sitting on the it's like dying on the <laughs> on the ring or on, on the ramp i did love the camera shot though of like show just like laying in the middle of the ramp <laughs> <laughs> i mean they sold it for yeah, sure yeah and it's it, it works with the with the layout of the of the building too so i mean you know it, it obviously played into to the story of the match i just wish that um you know just for consistency purposes if you can't tell i'm a, I'm a logic guy so um that's that's one of those kind of old tropes that i i kind of roll my eyes at I, i'm the same way but like with new japan i'm just like eh trust in gato (laughs) like i like it's not it's not even that i i disagree with you i 100 percent agree with you i'm just like well i mean (laughs) they're never gonna do that like they they just they do weird stuff like this and i just i'm like all right i guess what like that's just what they're gonna do like it's like you're in a relationship with someone then they do something you really hate but you love them so you're just like "Ah, i guess i got put up with this crap (laughs) I think it goes back to my my overall thoughts of their tag team booking, but we'll, we'll oh, save that for uh, another day. <laughs> we've, we've had whole shows about that. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with this match, honestly, I was I was ready to hate it. Like <laughs> <laughs> when the finals happened on uh, Friday and ended up being Suzuki Gun and Rapunky 3K, I was like, oh, here we go again. These two again. And then Suzuki Gun jumped him on the ramp. I was like, oh boy, here we go. Suzuki gun jumping into the bell. This is going to be another, you know, kind of long drawn out kind of boring match, but uh, it wasn't that this, I think they did a great job with the story. Like you mentioned, Chris, with the, uh, the 3k, this whole tournament, they haven't been able to hit it and that ended up getting the win. I thought they did a great job kind of getting heat on show with the injury at the beginning and then working over yo and then show kind of coming back and making the save. Uh, I think this is one of the better matches that these two have had this year. Also, not to put myself over, but I'm gonna put myself over. 
I think it was me who said, I think Rapongi 3K is about to win this tournament for a third year in a row. Mm-hmm. So take, gonna, take your victory lap. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> but uh, no, you're absolutely right, Jeremy. You, you mentioned, you know, them hitting the 3K and they were able to pick up the win. Like it was kind of like snap out of nowhere, which I enjoyed that. It was very like Rock and Roll Express-esque, you know, just kind of a flash victory. But then as soon as the match was over and they're celebrating – then we get the angle with Bullet Club with uh, ELP and uh, uh, Taiji Ishimori, and it's like we move right from one angle to another angle. You know, this was so Southern style. Everything about this was Southern style to me. Like, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, so Ishimori and Phantasmo arrive on the scene. They lay out Rapungi 3K with the belts. Um, Phantasmo does his uh, signature dick punch to show, and they do a uh, doomsday with the belt. And then they steal the um, power, the Super Junior Tag League trophies. I do want to say those were like two of the worst belt shots I've ever seen in my life. They were super <laughs> weak. <laughs> but uh, I love that they took the trophies though, because that they were they were upset that they had tied at the top of Tag League. Yeah. And then they were like, "All oh, these are ours. We're taking them." So I thought that was um, that was a nice you know continuity piece. I mean, it's not like Toru Yano's never done that. <laughs> <laughs> No, somehow it, everyone always gets their stuff back from Yano, though. <laughs> it was a it was a really good part of the story because I was legit pissed. I was like, "No, don't don't fucking take their trophies." What the heck? <laughs> I was like, "These guys, I hate these guys. They took their trophies." So yeah, it definitely got heat with me. So they're definitely doing something right. Yeah, I think it'll lead to a big moment. You know, possibly Wrestle Kingdom when these two wrestle and Rapunky 3K will probably win, get the belts back, and get their trophies back, and kind of. Uh, take their spot back at the top of the junior tag team division. Well, you know, a couple things. This junior tag league, there's been more emphasis on it the last, you know, two years specifically. But, you know, this is something where it's not a huge tournament. It's not the most prestigious tournament. But you got to consider, we are watching history. I don't think that we're probably ever going to see a, another time in history where a team goes back to back to back in this or almost any other tournament in New Japan history. So, I mean, that's a pretty big accomplishment and tells you a lot about, um, you know, where they kind of see Rapungi 3K. And it's interesting. We we discussed uh, at the beginning of the tournament, like, we're like, what's the story here for Rapungi 3K? Everyone else has a narrative. What's their narrative? And their narrative is... We're the best. <laughs> we, we run this. We run this uh, freaking division, and we're we're gonna run it back. And that's exactly what they did. And I think the fact that we're immediately moving from the Birds of Prey Bullet Club feud directly into this Rapungi Three K one, it kind of uh, speaks to what we discussed earlier that we're probably not getting a lot of double duty during Wrestle Kingdom. Like this is probably where Rapungi Three K is gonna be slotted, and we're not gonna be seeing probably a Birds of Prey match. At all during um, Wrestle Kingdom, most likely. Yeah. So yeah, good matchup, good angle, and set the seeds for the future. So next up, we had our never title match with the champion Kenta taking on the challenger Tomohiro Ishii in an epic twenty-minute brawl. Chris, what do you think about this one, man? Oh, this was big fight right here. Um. I think these guys, um, they gave us the match that they wanted to give us at Royal Quest. And they both stayed conscious throughout the whole thing. And they killed it. Um, this was, I don't I, this might have been my favorite match of the night. 
I mean, there were a couple strikes in this match that I was I was fearful for these guys, but they oh yeah, uh, they knew. I think I think they knew what what they wanted to do and what they were able to accomplish the last time they got in the ring together, and they knew that they could do so much better. And this was um, this was awesome. I I really enjoyed the match. I I I saw Kenta winning um, unless they were gonna fire him up against Shibata, and and even so, it was still like this was a match that I wasn't sure who was gonna come out on top. Um, you know, in the end, Kenta hit what two two go to sleeps, one one with an exposed knee, and like those looked good. So he's finally got that under control too. And I think this was the Kenta that we we want to see going forward in New Japan. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree with you there, Chris. Um, in all in all in his defense though, Tomohiro Ishii is the one guy that's consistently taken the GTS well in new japan a lot of mm-hmm. other guys like kind of haven't but you're you're absolutely right those looked really really good i liked tomohiro ishii's selling of it he just falls like like uh face first flat on the canvas which uh you know everyone in wwe for some reason wanted to like take a back bump off of it and i i, I always hated that <laughs> except for uh the brian kendrick who wanted to take it right on the nose <laughs> yeah yeah except for him <laughs> but, i was uh, uh, i was in the building for that so oh, that was, <laughs> oh my god it was it was something to see they obviously didn't air the uh all the blood coming out of his face but it was wild Jeez. that was what it would really look like <laughs> <laughs> but um this match was nothing short of brutal it was a war this was this was the never division this was you know two of the hardest hitting dudes in new Japan, just going at it. I think a lot of, um, a lot of the, uh, criticism on Kenta over the G one, uh, a lot of those people need to watch this match. And cause I'm not hearing that criticism anymore. I think that this is, uh, something that really proves that this guy does belong here. Um, and is every bit as obviously he's not, he's not Kenta. And we've said it lots of times. He's not Kenta from a decade ago, but I'm here for the Kenta today, man. Like this match was really, really awesome and um you know tomohiro ishii does it again man (laughs) yeah man this like i said this was an epic brawl this was everything that i wanted from this match and like you were saying chris this was the match that they wanted to give us at royal quest but you know kenta had the concussion uh but yeah here this was just epic the strikes in this match were just amazing um that spot where ishii pops up from the psycho knee oh and it's just raging (laughs) <laughs> that was crazy. That part was crazy. Yeah, just a lot of great, like, strong style moments or big strikes or big moves, and both of these guys just kind of popping up and firing up was just awesome. Is there an argument to be made that maybe this was overly violent? Because this was really hard. I thought it was very hard hitting. A lot of the slaps. Um, Ishii, when he was um, chopping Kenta in the throat, those <laughs> that looked vicious. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, great thing about this match, much like the Tai Chi match, there was no. Ref bump, no interference. You know, G.O.D. has been interfering heavily in Kenta's matches. We had no G.O.D. interference, no Bullet Club interference. Straight up, one-on-one, and these guys killed it. Kenta got the win with the two GTSs, um, proving that he's the better man here. Didn't need any help to beat Ishii and rolls on with this never title. Yeah, it was interesting watching this with the WWE fan. Um, You know, she... Once he hit uh, Tomohiro Ishii with the GTS, and then he stopped and he like paused and he's pulling his like uh, knee pad down because she's so like 
used to the tropes of Western wrestling, especially, you know, sports entertainment. She's like, oh, he's going to lose now. She's like, because he didn't go for the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the old Jim Ross. (laughs) And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. I was like, this is, this, he's about to murder this man and put him away. He's, he's going to put him away emphatically. So put his knee through that dome. Yeah. And then he didn't. She's like, oh no, he's dead. (laughs) Uh, But this, this was definitely my match of the night. And you know, we talked about award season. Uh, our award season ends. Our our uh, eligibility for our awards ends with Power Struggle, and we do have our Strong Style Fight of the Year uh, category. I don't see any way that this isn't a top candidate for that award, and maybe even the winner. Like I'm not saying it is for sure, but it's it's a it's a late eleventh hour entry into our award season. It's got to be in there. Yeah, definitely. And we had a question here from our buddy Dan Coffin. He says, with another loss to Kenta, where do you see Ishii ending up on the Wrestle Kingdom card? The never six-man openweight tag team. (laughs) (laughs) The Rambo. (laughs) I mean, they've got two nights to fill. So you got to figure Ishii is going to get in there with something worthwhile. But what is uh, that's a big question right now. I think this was the blow off for the Kenta feud. I don't think we're going to see that. Um, maybe he's in a tag in World Tag League. That's a possibility. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's some good options there, and I think that that could make for for something um, something good for Ishii to do. Um, I, that's not particularly what I want to see, but he's also he's had a lot of good singles work this year. Um, so I think for him to end up in the tag division for, for a cycle wouldn't be the end of the world. I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of whether there's two nights of Wrestle Kingdom or not, somebody that's deserving is going to get left off. It happens every year. I do think that there's a very good chance that Tomohiro Ishii could be that guy. But the nice thing is Gato usually does, when someone who's deserving of a big uh, spot or opportunity gets left off, usually those people tend to have some sort of big impact come, um, what's it called? New Year's Dash. New Year's Dash and New Beginning uh, Tour time. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ishii was left off and then maybe had a reemergence come new beginning or, you know, new Japan cup. So, I mean, we're, we're already booking far out, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he doesn't have a prominent role at wrestle kingdom and he is in some sort of multi-man or some sort of tag just because what are they going to do? He's, he just lost another big feud. I mean, there's not a lot of time. It, the only opportunity we have really to build something is world tag league. Yeah. Maybe somebody in that tournament, he could start a feud with. They could. But, I mean, with no titles at stake, I mean, the only person at this point that, like, that I can even think of who has nothing to do is John Moxley. Yeah. That that could land him into, like, um, uh, a top-level special singles match kind of scenario. I mean, they're not going to do something with him and Juice. They're not going to do something with him and, you know, Hanare or, or whoever else is out there. I don't know, you know. I mean, the card's shaping up already, you know. Yeah. Yeah, should be should be uh, obviously great shows both those cards and yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see where Ishii kind of fits on the on one of those nights if at all. So moving on, we had the junior heavyweight title match with 
our wrestler of the month, Will Ospreay, defending the title against LIJ's Bushi, defeated him at 16 minutes and 20 seconds. What do you think about this, Chris? Loved it. Um, I think Bushi shows up for big matches. Um, and I think he phones it in when it's uh, multi-mans. So <laughs> um, I think this was this was an it's another match that started hot, and that um, that kind of showed that Osprey was upset that Bushi um, kind of took them out of Junior Tag League, um, which I think also puts over the Tag League finals being really important. Mm-hmm. Um, if if a wrestler like Will Osprey cares that much about uh, winning them, so. I I thought this match was great. I loved the um I loved the spot where Osprey took the mist from Bushi. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> I thought it was great. It was surprising. Um it was unique. Um it was unexpected. I it really I it, it had me laughing at whatever 4 in the morning I was sitting up watching this show. <laughs> And it like it, it takes a lot to get me to even like kind of giggle through some of this stuff. But <laughs> man, I, like I said, I'm a, I'm a logic guy, so like you know, I can suspend disbelief for something that's creative, um, and and not kind of an old trope. So this was good. I liked that, and then but then I liked that they ended it. They ended it straight, and they ended it clean. So and um, but Bushi proved that he he's a, still a player in the in the juniors division. I mean, he can go. Um, and I think that he, this was kind of a, a little bit of a redefining match for him for, for what he's, uh, what his potential is. Well, well, first of all, you're a madman for watching this live. I just want to say <laughs> that, but, uh, well, I've got a story about that. So here's what I did on, what was that Saturday night? So I went to MLW live cause they were in Chicago. Oh, nice. I got home. I watched the, uh, the UFC main event from UFC 244. Then I watched um, the Kovalev fight. I watched both and of then, those live. And then right at the end of that, uh, Power Struggle was going live, and I was I was still up, so I was like, well, I may as well throw it on. And then the, the show was good. Normally I anticipate just falling asleep if I'm even trying it, but um, the show was good, and it, it kind of kept me going, which I think is a testament to the, the quality of everything that they did. Show was good, but when I watched it the next day, I fell asleep during the first two matches. I had to like restart the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a weaker man than you, but I just want to say, um, I do think that the moment when, um, cause I was watching this match and up until the, uh, the first miss spot, I thought it was an okay match, but I would like ask Jeremy, I was like, is this match really good? Cause I'm not like feeling it. And he's like, Jeremy was like, this match is fantastic. Like, <laughs> you know, really high rating. I'm like, I'm not seeing it. And then the miss spot came and then I'm like, and then everything really kicked into the next gear. And that's when the drama of the match really picked up. And I'm like, okay, this is a banger for sure. But I just want to say this. I am not with that miss spot. Like I hate it. It was disgusting to me. It, <laughs> it, it played on so many like fears that I have. Like I'm a very like, like grime averse person. Like I'm, I try to like keep everything in my house, like as clean as possible. Like I hate dirt and I know it's just food coloring. I know there's nothing that's inherently dirty about that black mist, but the look of it is so vile to me that like, I'm like, because I'm imagining this mist actually coming like from somehow out of Bushi's (laughs) actual body and like going into like Will Ospreay's mouth. And I'm like, (laughs) it is so gross to me. And when I saw him do that, I was like, no, 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 no. That like, like this is getting into some like sort of like weird, like, 
fetish porn or something like it's <laughs> terrible. I hate it. Uh, it's the one thing in the like in the match that I was like, I don't like it at all. But in all honesty, it was a very, very, very creative spot. And it is the thing that like kicked the match up to a whole new level after that point. Yeah, I yeah, like Josh said, I really love this match. I thought it was one of Bushi's better matches this year. Um, I love the callback to uh, Best of Super Junior, where Osprey is going for the Sasuke special, and Bushi cuts him off with that apron uh, DDT. Also, kind of going back to Osprey's um, neck issues, mm-hmm. and, and there's a whole story there. But um, Bushi had beat Osprey, I think it was in last year's Best of Super Junior, so that was kind of that backstory as well between these guys. Um, and then the, the MX towards the end when he hit it, I was like, there, "There's no way, there's no way Bushi is beating." I thought him. he had him. I thought he had him. I, I, it was a great near fall. I was hooked. I was like, "No way!" Like he hit. I was like, "One, two, and it was like two point nine nine nine. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> I was like, "There's no way Bushi's gonna beat this man." Uh, but that, that was a great near fall and um, great closing st- uh, stretch there with the uh, the hitting blade, the super os cutter, and the stormbreaker, and you know. Normally, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, ref bumps and interference and shenanigans, but I thought everything was well built. I thought the whole the ref bump and all the missed stuff uh, just played into the story of the match and kind of Bushi's character, and these two just had a great match. Remember? Oh, yeah, Bushi pulling the pulling the ref in to take the Oscutter. That was... Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a good ref bump. If oh, you're my talking ref gosh. Bump. Yes, Osprey killed Red Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when Papa Shango made Ultimate Warrior uh, vomit black, like the black slime? Yeah. I think that's where my like childhood aversion to this whole thing <laughs> comes from. <laughs> but no, uh, th- this match was really, really, really awesome. And um, yeah, man, there's a few times where like I really thought Bushi had Will, like, Will Ospreay. And I was like, this, I was like, like anything can happen in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, you had me. They had me sitting there thinking, like, "Where's Osprey going? Is Osprey going right, right up to heavyweight? Like, what, or is he going to win the tag tournament? Or like, what's going on?" Because yeah. I, I, they had me, they had me hooked, man. I thought Bushi had this. Yeah, that was yeah. I was hooked there too, man. But, but yeah, and ultimately, up, Will Osprey ended up hitting him with his uh, killer combo, the combo that nobody gets up from, you know? Yeah, that that Mortal Kombat finishing moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but then we have the, the big news of the night. So post-match, Osprey grabs the mic. He says, is there anyone else to challenge him? And he kind of goes down the list of people that he's defeated. He says that there's no one left, that he will be the IWGP junior champion forever. And think about that list. We were talking about how accomplished his year has been. He, he, he produced a list of so many singles competitors beaten, and those were just his junior opponents. He didn't even mention any of the heavyweight opponents he's beaten this year, like, which again just goes to show you like how accomplished a year this guy's had. Yeah, man, just amazing year. Uh, so yeah, he says he's going to be champion forever, and then lights go out. This video starts playing. Clear uh, Hiromu Takahashi video. We get this uh, countdown that says that he'll be back in sixty-two days for January fourth. But then um, the bomb starts going off and the countdown goes off. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The bomb blows up and Hiromu is actually here in the building 
Hiromu shows up, rips the neck brace off, charges to the ring. The crowd loses their mind. That's one of the biggest pops that I've heard in New Japan. It was such an epic moment. I love this. I thought that they built it up really well. They kind of did a false, uh, you know, they they showed Will getting out of the ring. Like, okay, I guess nobody's coming. And then, um, then they went with it. So I thought that this was really well executed. And I think that Hiromu is the right, he's the right matchup for, for Will for Wrestle Kingdom, uh, especially after the year Will has had. And, and to be honest, like if you're looking forward, like Will's going to leave the juniors division. Um, and I think that they've got to get, they've got to get someone hot back on top of it so that it stays, you know, like a, a defining title in new Japan. And Hiromu is a guy that I think they had intended on carrying it for a while. And, um, you know, may, I, you know, not to not to outbook it, but like I think Takahashi wins it at Wrestle Kingdom, and and Will moves up to to heavy uh, for good. Yeah, I could definitely uh, see that happening, and yeah, man, Haruma was definitely set up to have a great year, and that that neck injury just totally derailed him. And yeah, I can see him winning that junior title and kind of coming back and being the, the the new head honcho of the junior division, and just having some great matches next year. I mean, there's so much that I loved about this return segment. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, Hiromu coming out and just being a wild man and just running all over the arena and, like, as he, you know, throwing himself into the barricades, throwing himself into the turnbuckles, taking bumps, running up the stage, laying down on the ground, and then he, like, said, this is what I've wanted to do. And it's like... The thing he wanted to do was like just be in the environment of a wrestling arena, to be on the ramp, like not even be wrestling, just to be there, like be mm-hmm. around the crowd, be around the lights, like be in that vicinity. And then he he did allude to the fact, and he was like, you know, who else can beat this man other than me? And like, you know, you think back to your history, and I mean, the most recent meeting between the two of those guys was the best, or was uh, the Dominion match after Hiromu had won the best of Super Juniors last year. And he was the person who unseated Will Ospreay for the title back then, you know, previous, uh, and that was like a month before, you know, his unfortunate injury. So there is still kind of unresolved, unfinished business between these two guys. And for the time being, this might even be like the last match we see between them for a, a long while, you know, if in fact Ospreay does go up to heavyweight, which, you know, by the looks of it, in this match, he looks even bigger. Than he's been looking over the past few months. So like everything does point into the direction. It's like, yeah, this he's probably done in the junior division. Like, you know, one more match and that's probably it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, here with this, this angle, um, Hiromu, he was, you know, taking bumps and he did his, uh, his best, uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, neck bridge, uh, there. <laughs> said, give me, give me Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please give me Mike. <laughs> and I kind of cut a little promo in English. And so, yeah, lays a challenge out for Wrestle Kingdom January 4th, Osprey and Hiromu. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, there's always been a very quirky, strange kind of rivalry between Will Osprey and Hiromu. It's not a feud built out of animosity. It's unlike anything that you would see in the States. It's one built out of, kind of like a love-hate relationship. They kind of, like, they're always jesting with one another. Hiromu just being an insane person and calling uh, uh, Will Ospreay the cat man. And yeah. <laughs> Will Ospreay not, because he always lands on his feet and his his reflexes. But, 
you know, Will Ospreay doesn't want to be a cat. He sees it as being this, like, uh, you know, kind of insult. And then the last time they had that press conference and he made fried chicken for, for <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Will Ospreay. <laughs> and it's there, there's almost like a, like somewhat of like an attraction or something weird between the two of them. Like yeah, it's a very strange, it's something that you would never see in the States, but it totally fits the character of Hiromu here in new Japan. Hiromu replied to one of uh, Will Ospreay's tweets earlier today and said, we are frenemies. And I think that, that that's actually like the best. That's exactly term. I mean, what like, it is. It's the most simple term for what they are. Like they're, they're frenemies. And, but just to, to kind of put Hiromu's voice on that, I, it, it got me going. I, I loved it. Yeah. I didn't know how to like describe it, but that's exactly what it is. They're frenemies. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, of course I'm glad Hiromu's back for the matches, but I'm also glad for his back for these backstage promos that we're going to get. Moto. 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 <laughs> I also love that he was like, Mocking everybody where he was like You think I'm going to change my style I'm going to wrestle safer And he's like no <laughs> Running into barricades yeah. like. <laughs> Taking bumps and running into the, the Turnbuckle <laughs> Yeah man this is going to be This both matches that They had last year were Freaking insane So I don't know what to Expect like in the dome Just the two of them that's going to be nuts Yeah and I and you know, I think that this is going to be a much higher caliber match than the one that we got last year with uh, Kushida and Ishimori. Like, I'm I'm much more looking forward to this match. Definitely. Um, we had some questions here. First from Reddit user Rambone Slam Pig. He says, "How pumped were you guys for the big surprise return at Power Struggle? Any thoughts on how the title scene changes as a result?" Well, um, I mean, very pumped. I think this might be my most anticipated junior match. Since Shingo and uh, Shingo and Will Osprey, and prior to that, I mean, I I don't know, <laughs> but you know, I do think obviously I think Will's leaving. I think this is his swan song, and they had always anticipated to do a, a long run with uh, Hiromu. Uh, Hiromu's initial run with the title, those first six months back in what what year was that? Twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite junior title runs of all time. It was almost Brock Lesnar-esque, and I loved how he was this juggernaut that nobody could overcome. Like, he was this whirlwind, you know, sort of character. And so I'm excited to see him come back. I'm excited to see where his star rises, and I think that this is going to be a this is a changing of the guard. Yeah, I mean, I think the title, how, do, how does the title scene change? I mean, I think the title scene continues. I think that's, um, you know... They could they could pull a swerve and, and Will Osprey could win at Wrestle Kingdom, um, but I think ultimately that belt lands on Hiromu, and I think that the juniors he he becomes the you know the king of the juniors, and I think that he'll have a he'll have a good run and he will put on a good show, and um, all those guys that Osprey listed they all get to get back in the title scene um, and probably you know have some have some good matches and they'll build up some new stars. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. Uh, you know, super pumped for this return, and uh, I do think you know Hiromo's the way to go for next year. Put the junior belt on him, and you know he's been gone for quite a while, so you get some um, you know fresh rematches, some fresh new matches. There's some new challengers you can do. You know, Hiromu versus Robbie Eagles, Hiromu versus TJP. There's some fresh matchups there, and yeah, I can see him wearing the belt and just kind of running with it. You know, going through uh, best of the super juniors and. Uh, with the belt and, and you know his next potential guy to beat him could you know beat him in a non-title match and one of the tournament matches set something up down the line 
But yeah, I think he's going to have a bright uh, 2020 and it's going to be his year and he's just going to, you know, run this junior division the same way that Osprey has this year. Uh, so kind of a similar question from a friend of the show, Ben Schaefer, just saying he's back. How pumped are you for the return of everyone's favorite time bomb? And, you know, we were all super excited for that. Also, uh, in front of the show, Lawrence, he says, did y'all cry when Moo Moo came out? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't cry, but I may have been running around the apartment and I may have been jumping up and down like a six-year-old kid. Um, you know, I, basically I was marking out super, super hard. Also, another mark out moment. I saw Machine Gun Carl Anderson this weekend and like talked to him for like a couple seconds and started marking out over that as well. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend was like, the guy that loses on WWE Raw all the time, like, you don't understand. He let the boys <laughs> he he the- always lose all the time. <laughs> he was in the G1, he was a finalist. <laughs> <laughs> that man led the Bullet Club. But, um, yeah, I actually, I mean, like, I, di- I didn't mark out as hard in person for Carl Anderson as I did. For Hiromu on tape delay, you know, <laughs> like I freaking was freaking out. Like I literally was freaking out. So, yeah, this was a this is a huge mark out moment, and I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, my reaction when stuff like this happens is usually to jump to social media. So, I jumped on my my Twitter timeline and uh, took a screenshot and ended up posting it because like literally like the first ten things I saw were just like some sort of reaction about Hiromu being back, and like that just speaks to this guy's appeal um he's just he's such a fun character to, to add and he's a great wrestler so we're gonna get some great matches out of this so i think everyone's excitement is, is justified yeah and uh, like i mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the show i'm not i'm not a, a huge crier so there, there was no tears for me but i was uh super excited and pumped up to uh see hiromu back and also it was this, the same day that the popeye's chicken sandwich came back <laughs> so it was just a, a wonderful day uh, Hiromu's back. I'm enjoying a spicy Popeye's chicken sandwich. It was just, it was just a glorious day. Yeah, we. Um, I didn't get to have a chicken uh, sandwich just yet. I haven't, I haven't made my way to Popeye's, but it's coming. It's happening. <laughs> In fact, we're uh, we're having a party this weekend for uh, Full Gear, and we're going to be having chicken sandwiches. And we're not sure are we, if we're doing claw or bubbly, but it's going to be one or the other. But. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm I'm very, very, very excited. Like, you know, I think people forget, you know, that Hiromu, up until his injury, was, like, on track to be, like, a transcendent-level star in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I'm hoping he gets back to that place once again to where, like, we can kind of see him realize his potential. Because, I mean, when you talk about breakthrough mega crossover-type-level star, you know, this is, the, this is one of those guys who's able to sort of do that thing. And I'm... I'm so excited. Plus, I'm glad that Hiromu watched 2018 or uh, 2019 is over. Yes. I'm, I'm so glad we don't have to speculate. <laughs> I'm tired of falsely predicting when Hiromu's coming back and when he's returning. And there's so- I was wrong every single time. We all were. <laughs> every <laughs> I podcast. Think, uh, I think John from John over at Voices of Wrestling had it. Um, they had it uh, squared up that this, this is the building that Hiromu uh, made his debut in. So we all should have seen this coming, but um, here we all were still every every night hoping for Hiromu. <laughs> hoping and praying, but finally the time bomb exploded in his back. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And then uh, last question about this from uh, Reddit user DomHomie101. Now the man known as Hiromu Takahashi is back. Do you guys think that we may see Hiromu wrestle a match before Wrestle Kingdom? I would say we shouldn't, but... 
We probably will. I really wouldn't be surprised if he ends up doing preview matches against Will Ospreay in the lead up to Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, that's kind of the MO of New Japan and, you know, I I mean, maybe not a lot, but at least we might at least see one preview match uh on either like the uh World Tag League Finals or during those uh Road to um Tokyo Dome shows. I really do think we probably will see some sort of multi-man matches. What do you think, yeah, I, I would bet I would bet he gets in the ring. Um, I wish they would just, I mean, I wish, I wish it was realistic for him to, to completely stay out of the ring and, and maybe make another appearance and kind of creep out Will Ospreay. Cause I think that that's just a good, it's a, it's a fun story. Um, but I think he'll end up in some of those, uh, some of those multi-mans. Yeah. I think it'll be, you know, there's a big moment to have with all of LIJ kind of being back together so they could do like a huge, um, 12 man tag with all the LIJ versus like chaos. Yeah. On one you of could do it. Or a 12 man elimination, maybe. Oh, yeah. Do the uh, the young boy favorite match there, that over the top rope. Um, <laughs> I love those matches. <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of fun stuff they can kind of do to build up this match and tease. I mean, like both of you guys are saying, I kind of agree. I, I think it would kind of be cool to find a way to kind of keep him out of the ring and just have that one big special kind of comeback at Wrestle Kingdom. But with us being. You know, such you know, we're in November now. We still got a few months to go until we hit January. I think they definitely have to. He's probably going to be in some multi-man matches. You know, on maybe on the road to Tokyo Dome shows, maybe something on the undercards of um, World Tag League. Dude, it's their business model. That's how they do it. Like I, I would be very surprised if he didn't wrestle before then. Plus, it might not be a bad idea for them to allow him to to wrestle a few matches just to kind of get. You know, the ring rust, you know, kind of taken care of because, you know, keep in mind, he hasn't wrestled since January of last or I'm sorry, July of last year. So, right. I know he was looking pretty good taking his own bumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Running into the uh, the barricade. <laughs> maybe maybe you could just get a broomstick in there. <laughs> All right. So uh, now we're going to move on to the main event of the evening. We had the Intercontinental Championship match as Switchblade. Jay White defends against Hiroki Goto. Young boy, what do you think about this? Oh, man. So up until this point, I was like, wow. Banger after banger after banger after banger. Are we looking at a show of the year candidate? You know, a low-key one. And I kind of thought we were, and I was like, well, we got Jay White and Goto at the top. These guys have had nothing but great matches this year. This is a slam dunk of a show. And then I thought that they came out and really under-delivered. I really, really do. Um, I'm not high in this match whatsoever. It was very long. It wasn't a bad match. Like, it wasn't terrible. But at 27 minutes and 45 seconds, I don't know, I was like three and a half. And, you know, the, the obviously we knew Jay White was going to win. The, the, the outcome was never really in doubt. But when it comes to the actual in-ring work, this is by far, I think, the worst Jay White Goto match that I've seen. And I was just very surprised by that because I've been a huge fan of all the matches they've had prior to this. And for some reason, I don't know what it was specifically um, that made the match just feel kind of like plotting and overly long. I, I think that's something that people really complain about when it comes to Jay White. And for the most part, I think they're usually wrong. But I think if someone had that criticism here, I think they would be right. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I felt like this was a match that Jay White 
was in control of the whole time. And so we had that kind of poking and plotting um, pace. The the match felt like it was a vessel for kind of the post-match or the the end of the match angle with with Kenta and, and Shibata and and kind of all that work. So I you know, I, I see where they went with it. Um, I wish that they had started off a little hotter and and put on a, a, a good match to make us care about what the finish looks like. Um, and to make us dislike the finish and not have it be so obvious that that was really the the purpose of, of the match happening. Now, Jay White, the kind of smarmy bad guy, like he, man, he he fits the bill. He's he's playing that playing that up, and the he's a real true bad guy in the in the New Japan community. But um, I just wish I wish Goto and and White could have gone after it a, a little bit harder before they got to some of the story story pieces. Right, especially on this card where you had Tai Chi and Naito, no shenanigans. Kenta and Ishii, no sh- no shenanigans. Like straight up, you know, hard hitting matches. Like I wish this would have kind of started out the same way to at least make you think. All right, we're gonna get another clean match with no interference, and maybe start off a little bit faster, a little bit hard hitting, and then when you get to that finish, you're like, oh man, that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but instead, like you guys mentioned, just kind of a slower match. It was pretty much just kind of there to set up the post-match. Um, you know, they've had better matches earlier this year, so I was expecting a little bit more. But, you know, it was fine. I probably would have preferred if Ishii and Kenta would have made invented if this was the match we were going to get. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, I think they were trying to make Jay White look as strong as possible throughout the match. Even though at the end, obviously there was a there was the moment where Goto had the visual pinfall victory, it was a, a come from behind victory. It wasn't like he was on some hot tear. It was like he hit the Ushiguroshi out of nowhere, and then he was hitting like the uh, the the STR and the GTR. Those were like hail marys in a in a match that he was otherwise losing. And then you know he was about to win the match, obviously, but up to that point, I mean. There's no reason to think that Goto was in this match. He was pretty much out of it like right. the whole time. Jay was like the cerebral assassin in this match, just literally cutting him off on every turn and blocking every big move and countering everything. And he was like one step ahead of Goto this whole match. And, and the one thing I will say is like, you know, the, even though the shenanigans of the interference from Gato and what happened with Kenta and Shibata, um, I don't know. I thought that was like the only entertaining thing in the movie. <laughs> like it's the one thing that like bro- broke up the monotony and like actually caught my attention. And I'm not usually one for angles like that necessarily myself, but I was like, okay, at least something is happening. And um, I mean, we should probably talk about that. So I mean, like, what what happened here with this? Yeah. So Goto he hits the GTW, gets the near fall, picks him up, hits the GTR, and Gato pulls the ref out at two. And then uh, Shibata was on commentary. He jumps up, attacks Gato, takes him out, locks on the sleeper. But then Kento arrives. Uh, it's a go to sleep on Goto. He attacks Shibata. Um, and then he follows um, and gets White in. And uh, White gets in, hits the Blade Runner on Goto and gets the win there. Yeah. I liked the Kento Shibata stuff. Um I just wish they they wouldn't have used this match as the the vessel for it. I think, um, but I thought that that I mean that's obviously a hot angle. 
Yeah, that was definitely like the most exciting thing. It's like, oh, oh, there's Shibata. Oh, he's getting physical again. He's, you know, taking a kick. He's, you know, he's in a sleeper. He's, you know, throwing against a barricade. Like this guy's getting active. And Kevin Kelly just sung the fact that this guy's not physically cleared. Yeah. Makes me think he is cleared and that we're going to get a match. It's possible. Yeah. But let's also be clear here that with no wrestling training, these are all things that hypothetically a lay person could do. These were not bumps. Like, you and I could get thrown into a barricade and get, like, choked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's still that question there. It Could he really be cleared? Like, is this just very limited physical contact that just looks good? Or is he or is he cleared and, like, he's allowed to take, you know, bumps and they're just kind of holding back until the moment when they actually do the full thing? And I still have my doubts. I would find it hard. I... I find it hard to believe that you take a, a, a fall off of the ring apron like that that's and true. the kick a kick that's really close to the head. Um, as good as they are, Kenta and Shibata both, right? They're very talented people. They're very good at this pro wrestling thing and making us believe that things are worse than they are. Um, but I don't know. The one off the apron was the one that had me like, ah, that looked very much like a person who's cleared to to take some physicality. Yeah. Also, though, keep in mind it is Japan. Right. And it's not regulated the same way. So that you, you bring up a very good point, and that's probably true. But there's also, also always that possibility where, like, they're not so regulated, so they do they know how good they are. They might have given them the leeway, like, hey, you can do this, but not anything else. So I, I still don't know. I, yeah. I would bet that Kenta versus Shibata is the goal, and maybe they're not quite there. Maybe they're not quite to to him being cleared. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen things like this in America too, where um, they build stories and then all of a sudden, so or doesn't, and and the story dies. So, I mean, I think the backup plan is Goto now, though. Um, I think you could go to Kenta versus Goto and and you know have Shibata in the corner, and you, you've got a reasonable um, you know kind of path for the Never Title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely an, an interesting path they can go. But, you know, with all these teas of, of Shibata, man, like why tease us if you're not going to, you know, be able to do the angle? Because they want your money, kid. <laughs> well, they want, us to, they want us to talk about it on, on the Keeping It Strong style podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, so uh, after this match, we get, um, you know, post-match, Jay White um, gets some mic. He's gloating about his victory. Of course, he's getting booed out of the building. Says Goto's done, his career is over. I, I told you, I told you he would be done. He is done. <laughs> he said Goto's an embarrassment. Uh, <laughs> he, says, he says he's the man that sold out MSG single-handedly. He's the last real rock and roller. And soon he will add the IWGP title to his IC title. And that he will face the winner of Okada and Ibushi on January 5th. And he calls both of them out, but Naito arrives and he challenges Jay White for the IC title on January 4th. And of course, Jay White's not about this life. He's like, no, you're not the next challenger. Then we have Kota Ibushi arriving um, and saying it's, you know, been a while since he's seen Naito. And then Okada arrives and asks, what the hell are they talking about? It's like, they all, <laughs> they all want double titles. What the hell is this all about? And he said he's proud to be the IWGP champion. This is his belt, the belt. And he proposed a fan vote on the situation. Says Naito, you remember that fan that fan vote, huh? 
You see? Did you see Naito's face when he said that? Yeah, <laughs> oh, he did him dirty. Yeah, uh, and. Jay White just tells everybody to leave. He wants his confetti, and one by one, everybody just kind of leaves. And uh, yeah, Jay wants you know more celebration and wants to gloat some more. And uh, that was the end of the show. I was really not a fan of this post match angle. Like in theory, I was because I'm I'm all for the double title main event and all that, and I definitely think they needed to do something. Where they sort of solidified where they're going with it and have all the guys involved in the same ring. And they did that. But you kind of compare this, in my opinion. You remember that really awesome angle they did with Jay White earlier in the year when he was the IWGP champion and all his New Japan Cup uh, challengers were kind of in the ring at the same time? Yeah, Kenta, or not Kenta, I mean, uh, Ibushi, Goto, Okada, Tanahashi. Tanahashi, yeah. That was awesome. This was like not that. This was like meandering. The guys, you know. We always talk about how they don't have scripted promos and how great that is, but sometimes it's not great when they like are just kind of like talking and like no one knows what the direction is and no one knows like where they're going with it and all the guys are looking at each other like kind of confused. There was like no flow to it and I'm like who 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 agented this like <laughs> this, <laughs> this thing? And then like finally he's like, "All right, you guys get out of here. I, I want my I want my confetti." And everyone just kind of like slowly paced off and I'm like, "There's no tension here. Like I don't know what is happening." And then the confetti drops and I'm like, "What? Is that it?" Like there was it just felt very all over the place and I I I kind of was hoping I don't know. I feel like if this is the way they're going, they need to like buy into it and really sell it. And they were like, it felt like they were doing this angle in a way to where like they have an out to where like if they don't commit to it, they don't actually have to do it. And it felt weird. It's like one of the worst to me, honestly, it was one of the weirdest, strangest feeling big post, like big uh, post show, like angles they've done since like the only other one that kind of made me feel sort of similar was like the Jericho and, Okada Dominion like post match and even that had more heat than this. This was just kind of the crowd was silent. It was weird. They, I mean, it felt like they were hedging. It felt like they were they were actually trying to feel out the audience. Yeah. Um. Which may hey, listen, maybe they are, but if they're gonna do it, like that was the moment to set it up. Mm-hmm. And I think that they missed, uh, you know, kind of your prime opportunity for everyone to get in on it. Even if someone like Okada is like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like I'll defend my belt. I don't care. I don't want that. I don't want the IC. Like, but I'll I'll defend my belt two nights. Like he's already said that. Um, but I expected them to kind of solidify it, like you said. And they they hemmed and hawed around it. And the only people with any sort of big heat in that ring were Jay White and Naito. Um, so. I don't know. I mean, Ibushi got no reaction when he when he showed up, and and Okada, you know, he's he's always going to be the biggest one of the biggest stars out there. But um, they 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 didn't drill at home that, that that that's what's happening and that they're doing it and that they all care about it. Um, and I think that that's that's a challenge for them going forward to establish this. Now I know they have a press conference in a couple of hours that might. Uh, change things for us yeah, by the time this even posts. We might be entirely wrong. They might like have already like announced it by the time this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, and also too, they they are actually doing a fan vote for like, do people want to see this double title match? And it's like on the Japanese site. It seems to be a shoot. And, and yeah, and for what I've been seeing, yeah. a lot of Japanese fans have been saying, I don't want the double title match. I don't want the IC title like unified with the IWGP. Like the IC title has history. 
We like the title. Like, we don't want the double title match. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. And Chris hit it right on the head. It's like, okay, you have Okada, the biggest star in the company. The, he's the ace. And when he's out here being like, well, I don't know. Let's put it to a vote. I don't know if I want to do this. Instead of him being like, okay, let's do this. And You're then, right. like, if he would have done that because of who he is and how he's great at commanding the crowd post-show that everyone would have reacted and it would have been a big deal. And I bet you this vote would probably be going very differently, but the vote is probably kind of going that way because the fans don't, didn't get a clear direction from the performers about what they're even wanting to do. Right. So yeah, it's just one of those kind of weird things where like they should have just, just, just announced it. And then they, they should have had the performers go out there and talk about how they all want that same goal and Okada talking about how he wants to take on the biggest challenges and climb the highest horizons, and he'll take on all the challengers, and, you know, you two fight and us two fight, and then the winners fight, and everyone would have been down for it, but instead they're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm going to awkwardly back out of the ring now. Yeah, it, it was the, uh, the SpongeBob meme. I'm going to head out now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what the heck is this? And I was so, I was so like, Hype for the like, I was like, oh, this is a big moment. They're all out there. This is awesome. And like my girlfriend's watching. She's like, I don't know. This. She's like, this don't seem better than a WWE promo. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's not. But usually it is. Trust me. It's she was. She was like, goddamn power. Where's where's the script? <laughs> I mean, I'll listen to Jay White post match promos till I die. Like I, that dude can go. He's hilarious. He's a, he's a he's a dick. Like it's great. Oh, yeah. But nobody else came in the ring and gave right. him anything. Yeah. Well, his his post match when he went backstage was really good, and he was like, "Naito, you get no shot. <laughs> Naito, we will not be wrestling. <laughs> you are not on my level." He's like, "How many times have I beaten Naito?" He's like, "I beat Naito twice already, and he's beaten me zero times. So why would I face him?" He's like, "I'm not facing you on January fourth. He's like, I'm going to January fifth, and I'm taking on the winner." Of Okada and Ibushi And I'm going to be double champion Because that's where I'm at in this company And I'm like this is hilarious Yeah JY is the man with promos To be perfectly honest though He's got a point <laughs> Well um, Chris you could probably speak to this a little bit better So in our group chat um, Rich Latta shout out to Rich he, he posted this thing Is this the singles wins for all these guys this year? I think so So he posted a, a a graphic and it was like Jay White 13 wins, 5 losses, Ibushi 13 wins, 5 losses, Okada 18 wins, 3 losses, Naito 9 wins, 7 losses. And yep. then, and they said Naito shouldn't even be here. LOL. <laughs> uh so I did a I did a piece even before this even before Power Struggle. It might have been a month ago. Um, for Voices of Wrestling, it was called Why Are We Still Talking? It was basically Why Are We Still Talking About Tetsuya Naito as a top challenger in this company? I mean, I'm looking at um Let's see. Ten guys ahead of him. If you know, if we're really looking at it from a from a stats point of view. Um, and you know, I got a lot of responses with like he's a draw and he's a big star and blah blah blah. And I was like, that's not the point. The point is he's he's not winning. Like this is not a big moment for Naito. Um, this has not been a build towards Naito as the underdog. Like Naito just hasn't been good this year. And he hasn't been good in the ring this year. I mean, like not not on like a star rating performance, but in a sense of winning some big matches. Um, you know, like I would put guys like Shingo Takagi, still Hiroshi Tanahashi. I would put Osprey in the conversation before I put Naito in the conversation about someone who's been in position 
strongly and and should be challenging for some top titles. Hell, I'd put Zack Sabre Jr. ahead of it. Right. Um, and and Naito, I mean, yeah, he comes with a big name and you know the leader of Lij, and he's a big draw. But this has not been the year to put him in this situation where he's this this underdog. He's been vastly underbooked. Uh, if they wanted this to be his big payoff moment on January 5th, holding up two belts at the Dome. I just don't think it's, like, I, I I can get behind a lot of different booking for New Japan, but, I mean, Naito and Sonata have had almost the same year. Yeah, I feel like Sonata might have a little bit even better of a year than Naito. Well, you know, Chris, you make, you make a, a great point, but I think we all know just like in all sports, especially combat sports, that you're as good as you're perceived to be, not necessarily the records show you to be. And regardless of what kind of year he's had, he still gets the biggest pops of almost anybody in the company. And because that star power is still there, you could really kind of translate it to something similar to like in MMA. You know, Conor McGregor might lose two or three times, but because of his name value, he's still going to get the opportunities even if there's someone who's more deserving than him. And that's just like a kind of a, an analogy. I'm not saying that that explains away the, the bad booking, but, you know, there is that aspect to it. Um, plus, like, the fact that most of this double title stuff is built around him, they couldn't realistically do this without him, I'm guessing. Uh, I just think it's pr- it probably would have been in New Japan's benefit to maybe have booked him stronger throughout the year if this is what you wanted to do. <laughs> To be honest, like I thought they should roll into Wrestle Kingdom with Naito as the champion, um, or as the IC champion, because then he he continues his thread throughout the entire year. I mean, right. what he said in his post-match at Wrestle Kingdom last year, he gets to drive that whole thread through the entire year of like, I've got to have the IC going into Wrestle Kingdom so I can have a chance at the heavyweight. And, and I think by bouncing the title back to Jay White, and having Naito get try to get back into that picture, I think that killed his heat. Well, I always felt originally the same way because I was like, he's had too many losses this year. You cannot take the belt off of him going into the into Wrestle Kingdom and then bringing him back. That's kind of mm-hmm. stupid. But at the same time, we kind of needed something for Jay White, so it made sense why they ended up doing it. Plus, I figured at that point I was like, well, they're gonna go for an, they're gonna take him to his lowest, lowest, lowest limit. That way, when he does win, it will be the ultimate underdog tale, the ultimate, you know, redemption story. But do you know what I'm starting to feel like? I'm getting very nervous that they're going to make him the ultimate, like, tragic figure in the history of New Japan. Can they do it again? (laughs) And they're going to do it to him again. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't know why. I'm just having that feeling. I don't, but I really don't think they should do that because I feel like that would leave too, like... That's you know we keep talking about like what's the what's the breaking point for fans and I feel like not only would that be a breaking point for like Naito but and I'm not even being hyper hi- hyperbolic here I think that would be a real big turnoff to like diehard New Japan fans I don't think that they want to see them do that to Naito again but there is a part of me that's like it could happen they could really do <laughs> it, that it could definitely happen <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, with the booking this year, they, they've kind of gone too heavy in the let's make him an underdog, let's have him lose all these matches, and it's just like this did him no favors at all. You know, the beginning of the year he kind of went fifty fifty with Ibushi, with Ibushi. 
Um, and mm-hmm. then after that, like Ibushi kind of soared after that rivalry, and Naito just kind of stayed the same. And then it's kind of went down to the bottom, you know, losing to like guys like Tai Chi and the G One, and just it, like like you mentioned, Chris, like his matches, like not winning big matches, not having like the you know utmost you know match quality in every match, and so yeah, just not a strong year. And like you guys, I agree. I I would have kept the IC belt on him going into the dome, or if you wanted him to lose to Jay White. They should have had him stronger all year until the loss of Jay White. So at least you're like, oh, well, he still had a great year. Now he can he can come back and try and beat Jay and get back in the, the title picture. But he's kind of had a, a lackluster year and then loses to Jay, and now he's kind of inserting himself in this title picture where it doesn't really kind of make sense if you look at everybody else's years and the, the stats and the records and the match quality between all four of them. And I, you know, I recognize Naito is probably the most over star in New Japan. Um, he gets huge reactions in every building he goes to and people love him. And he, you know, he, he has earned that. I, I just think that, you know, to, to, to tell a redemption story. And, and the thing is, New Japan does redemption stories so well throughout tournaments um, you know, and they'll have these guys that go 0-3 or 0-4 and, and, and end up, you know, winning a, a tournament like the G1 or the best of Super Juniors. Like, they they can run that all day, and people believe it, and they buy into it, and it works. You need the build back. You need to build them back up. And and I don't think a win over Taichi is... is it's not uh, That's not enough. Um, that's not enough for me to believably put Naito in the, in the picture. And, and yeah, in combat sports, right, drawing is king. So of course he gets in into the match, but like, how did we get there in 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 a, a wrestling company that is typically super logical, and the the matches build themselves? Like now we've got a guy at a top, Suyu Naito just walking out and talking to Jay White after Jay White has beaten him twice. I mean, he's right. Yep, and and also he was right about Goto. Also, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know. Hearing, hearing Jeremy, hearing you kind of go through the progression and the history and everything, it it just makes me want. I want a Showbuckle video of this so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, where are you, Showbuckle? Please come back. Yeah. Please make these videos. We need you in our life. But um, I think we got a lot of questions. Yeah, about we got this. a ton of questions here. So let's run through these. So first, from Reddit user Chuck Kidman, he says, "There's a lot of talk on social media about the double belt idea on the fifth, devaluing the G1 in a way." What is your opinion on this? Mm, I got to say I disagree. Um, I disagree for this simple reason. Um, I understand that we are living in, a, in an era where the winner of the G1 gets to headline the Tokyo Dome on January 4th and they carry a briefcase and they defend that. But for older fans, it just wasn't always that. The G1 in and of itself is the prestige. Winning the G1 means you have etched your name in the annals of great tournament winners from the history of this company. And, I mean, this is a tradition that doesn't just continue with the G1. It goes all the way back to, like, you know, all the previous MSG leagues and all these other different, uh, you know, world's strongest leagues and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, winning that tournament is the prestige. Did you always get a title shot from it? Yes. Did it always take place in the Tokyo Dome on January 4th? Absolutely not. So there have been changes. I mean, has it happened before? Prior to, even before Wrestle Kingdom, it used to happen occasionally. 
but not every time. So, I mean, for there to be a change, it's not like it's unprecedented or something. You know what I mean? I get it. Like, I, I understand that people think that that it's maybe not as prestigious, but let's look at the facts. Ibushi won. He's getting a title shot. It's in the main event of the first night of the Tokyo Dome against Okada. I don't see how that that's not prestigious. Chris, your thoughts? I can't say it any better than that. Um, I think winning the G1 is as highly regarded as winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. So to have won it is is that is the prestige. And again, he he's getting a title shot on January fourth, which is literally what's on the briefcase. Um, does it devalue it? I mean, yeah, I think so. But I also think that may help the story of Ibushi and Okada, who I don't think were primed to have a hot feud, especially because Ibushi earned himself a title shot in the G1 by beating Okada anyway. Um, so, like, there's kind of that element at play, too. So I don't, you know, I don't I don't see it devaluing the G1. I think the G1 is still, it's, that is, that was the goal of the tournament and Ibushi won. And, and that should be, um, that should always be remembered. Right. And like both of you guys said, he, he's getting his main event. You know, he's, he's going to have his big title match. And now he has a chance of potentially walking out of that weekend with two titles yeah. and being, you know, making history. The, the other thing, too, is, like, they probably never would have had Ibushi and Okada wrestle in the same block and have the uh, Wrestle Kingdom uh, uh, main event take place in the same block. Historically speaking, they just really don't normally do that. They wouldn't have done that unless there was two nights to Wrestle Kingdom so that they could have another major main event following that match. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing with it too, um, oh man, it was a good point, but I forgot what I was going <laughs> to say. Um, it had something to do with, with Ibushi winning the, the G1. Oh, I know what it was. You know, the, I think if you want my opinion, I think the one thing that really does devalue it more so than anything is them continuing the briefcase gimmick and the, and them defending the belt because no one wants the winner of of the G1 to lose their opportunity. And at some point, I think everyone's like, they have to do it. They should never do it. So they should just stop that gimmick entirely because no one ever, I don't think any fan actually wants that to ever be the case. Unless the person that won, unless the person who won it was so despised and so undeserving that they should lose it. And then at that point, you are devaluing the G1. So they that really was the only reason I wanted Jay White to win the G1 this year because <laughs> I thought he was going to be the guy that would lose the briefcase. Yeah, and that and that in a way does devalue the G1. So that's the thing that I think people complaining about a double title match that that doesn't devalue it. That stupid briefcase that's what devalues it. They need to get rid of that. So uh, next question from Reddit user: Why did you do that, bro? He says, "What is more likely for the Tokyo Dome? Kenta versus Shibata, Kenta versus Goto." Kenta and a partner versus Goto and Shibata or something else? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think those are all possibilities. I mean, I, it really, I think it really just depends on the health of Shibata. And I think we all know that. Yeah, I think we, we talked about that earlier. I think what they want to do is Kenta Shibata. I would probably say that that's the likely course just based on what we've seen. 
Um, but I think that there's still a chance that they end up having to go with Goto. And, you know, I think that the, the tag option could be a good route to go if they can, you know, they don't want Shibata to do a lot of bumps. You know, maybe they do some kind of gimmick where they take him out in the beginning of the match and then he makes like a fiery comeback and doesn't take a bunch of bumps in the match and you kind of protect him in that way. Almost kind of similar to the, the format they did with um, Daniel Bryan's comeback when he teamed up with Shane at WrestleMania, kind of keeping him out of the match for a while and then you have him come back and make this fiery comeback. You, uh, or, or you mean the Bret Hart uh, when he came back in 2010? <laughs> Against Vince, oh my gosh! Uh, so yeah, I mean, that, I, that, I don't know. I just feel like if the guy's cleared, he's cleared. Yeah, they should let him wrestle. But I just can't imagine. Me personally, after watching the videos of what that surgery entails, I can't imagine him ever getting cleared. And I don't know if I ever really want him to be. I want. The, I would. I mean, I'm a diehard Shibata fan. I would love to see him wrestle. I just really can't imagine that they're gonna do it. Yes, I'll believe it when I see it, but I I'm still one of those skeptical people that's scared. I mean, I'm I'm scared for that honestly. Well, now that Hiromu watch is over, I guess we can be on Shibata watch now to see what they end up doing with him. Well, we're two months away. Yeah. If it's if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. I think if if that if it doesn't happen there, the ship has sailed. Ooh, I might cry if he wrestles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so next question from Reddit user Asahi Yojimbo. He says, is Marty a bot ref in kayfabe? Dude gets <laughs> dragged out of the ring at every major show and all through G1, but always awards the match to the more uh, numerous faction present. He never puts two or two together, and it's infuriating. No, it's just the training that he was given. He He's doing his job. He doesn't know who attacked him. He didn't know where it came from. All he knows is he sees one man's shoulder on the mat. He's trained to... Slap the mat three times, award the winner. Don't ask questions. They don't have instant replay in New Japan. He's just doing his job. <laughs> they have mentioned that. I mean, English commentary is is potentially different than than Japanese, but they have mentioned it in a commentary a couple of times, though. Um, just that Marty is that, um, <laughs> that Marty's kind of not the yeah. He sucks. <laughs> is he the, uh, the the Nick Patrick of New Japan? Yes, he's the, he's the uh, Danny Davis. <laughs> Uh, next question from Reddit user Zack Saber Time. He says, uh, "Since Shibata took all those bumps, you guys think he might be cleared? I would think he's cleared after seeing all those bumps. This is the last big show before Wrestle Kingdom, if I'm not wrong. It seems like the the show to announce it at." So we we did talk. We've talked extensively about this, but let's focus on that term bumps. Was the the one thing that was really truly close to a bump would have been what the the apron spot and then what the barricade spot are those the two really what happened in the initial angle when uh he was attacked by Bullet Club the first time that time there was a PK yeah and that was and that was pretty much it he he took no actual bumps but we've seen him take bumps before we saw him do a bump you know when he made his return you know two years ago. Right, I'm sure he's taking bumps in the uh, LA Dojo. <laughs> LA yeah. Dojo, Wait, but he has headgear on. Could he wrestle with headgear? Maybe. Hey, that's actually maybe an option. Pull mm. out his uh, look, looking like uh, Rick Steiner. <laughs> <laughs> that's a possibility. Um, but I mean, in this in this scenario, what he what happened when he hit the apron? Because I'm trying to remember. Was it like did he fall down and like hit it with his face or? It was a big boot. He fell mostly on his hip, from what I could tell, and then he fell off the off the apron. Yeah, 
And then after that, he was what thrown into the barricade. Yeah, and that's just the back. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I really. I mean, I guess those are bumps, but I don't know. Yeah, and you know, with with this press conference, who knows? What if they they could probably announce something? We could be talking about something that's already um, being announced. But it's fine. This is compelling radio. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Compelling audio. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Shibata, but yeah, we're we're on Shibata watch to see what they're gonna do. Uh, next question from uh, William Johnson from the Wrestling Squared Circle. He says, "How does Naito walk out of wrestling? Yes, Wrestling Kingdom, IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Well, he beats White on night one, and he wins night two. I'm just, I'm still looking at this question, Wrestling Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he he'd have to. I mean." The only way I see it happening is he's got to go against Okada at the end. Right. I mean, that's like if you want to tell the ultimate redemption story, like, yeah, he beats Jay White January 4th, and then the main event January 5th is him versus Okada, and he finally beats Okada, gets that IWGP title. The only, yep. the only thing that is so weird about all this to me, and it's so, unless New Japan, if they're going to do this, then in my opinion, they really need to start focusing on teasing the idea that we might end up with Naito and Okada in the final match. So far, there's been no allusion to that. Why would they keep these guys apart from each other for two years and then throw it away randomly? I mean, yes, we all kind of can conclude, can, can, could conclude that that's a possibility, but no real build. This is one of the last true mega matches that they have on their roster at this current time because almost everybody wrestles everybody. And they've been saving this match for a long time. And then they're going to throw it away on the second night, unadvertised for Wrestle Kingdom. That seems so weird to me. That is, yeah, that is my point of contention with it, too. It's like, get get some ticket sales out of this thing. Like, build it all the way. I mean, like, this should be, this should be the biggest match of New, in New Japan history. I mean, like, based on how people feel about Naito and how people feel about Okada and, and the story that they've told super long term um so to to put it on the second night at wrestle kingdom where okada doesn't even care about the second belt i don't know that doesn't feel that doesn't feel like the logical new japan that i've come to come to adore (laughs) now now if you do an angle or 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 not like a promo like if you do a promo build-up where they end up both just face to face in the ring and it's like we don't know for sure that they're going to wrestle each other, but they're face to face and you get that interaction. Then maybe you can draw off of it, but they haven't done anything like that. And, you know, maybe with, you know, the, the road to Tokyo dumb shows, maybe you can do some LIJ chaos, multi-mans, cause you know, you'll, you'll have Hiromu and Osprey kind of facing off. So you can kind of, that's a great way to get LIJ and chaos in the ring. And maybe you do Naito and Okada and some of those multi-mans and kind of build it from there. I, that's a possibility. I just feel like it's not enough to just kind of allude to it, you know, the way that they do sometimes. Mm-hmm. It needs to be kind of overt because it's a big match, and it feels like if they go that way, they're going to just throw it away, and that's a weird booking decision. I guess they don't want to go. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I would like to see Naito just come out and be like, I don't even care about the title. I want Okada, and if this is the way I get to Oof. Okada, then... <laughs> Then we go. Then this is how I'm going to get there. I want Okada in the dome in the main event, and if if Naito can come out with some fire, kind of like he did uh, before his match with Taichi, 
if he can come out with like a statement like that, he's like, I still don't care about the IC. Still, I, I to be honest, don't even care about the heavyweight title. I want Okada on January 5th, title or no title, we're, we're fighting. It's I'm into that. It's funny that you mentioned that because when we were in Dallas, we, when we did the media scrum and we released it here on the network, but I don't, a lot of people didn't hear it. I mean, a lot of people did download it, but it was nowhere near like our regular numbers. It's kind of weird. But um, one of the last questions of the entire media scrum was to Naito, and it was one I asked him. Uh, it was about him and Okada potentially facing. And he his sentiments during that media scrum were almost exactly what you just said. And I remember him saying stuff like to that extent, and I got chills at the time. And, and at that moment, I... Back then, I was like, "Oh, he's winning the G one," because I was like, "Because yeah. I was like, there's no way they're not going to headline with that match." And now that that we're going this really roundabout way to get there, it seems so strange to me, almost like maybe they're not going to do it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it seems like that's the lot. That, that's what they have to do, right? I'm guessing. Yeah, I, th- I think they don't want to be too overt with it because they, they don't, don't, don't want to show their cards. Right, they don't want to spoil. They, they want to give you the, the illusion that Jay White could beat Naito, that Ibushi could beat Okada, and you get Jay White Ibushi or you get Jay White Okada. There's, there's, there's a Jay White Okada story to be told as well, so they could do Jay White Okada. You, well, you're right. There's a story for all these guys. Hypothetically, because of the interactions they've all had with each other just in this past year alone, there's a story... And a major match from all four guys. So it's real simple what you do. You just do promos with each guy facing off with Okada. Right. At various mm-hmm. points. That way you can build the hype for all three matches regardless of which one you get. But right now we're not getting that. Right now we're getting Okada being like, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> we'll take a vote. We'll see. And it, that's not going to put butts in seats. So uh, moving on here, uh, next question comes from front of the show, Dan Coffin. He says, what are the chances Jay White beats the odds and becomes double champion? I see that as being the least likely scenario. I would be afraid. <laughs> I'd be afraid for Jay White's, um, his general well-being at the end of, at the end of a Tokyo Dome show. We're very big fans of Jay White. We think that he's fantastic here on this show. And clearly this company is behind him, and clearly they see him as a big four guy in the company, and rightly so. But with that being said, I really don't see them closing the Tokyo Dome with him holding both belts. I don't see that happening. I don't see it either, but, you know, my, my rule this year has been never doubt Jay White in a big <laughs> match situation. This is the biggest of big match situations here. So I think there, there, there's there's a possibility. I don't think it's the way they'll go, but if it happens, like, I wouldn't be completely surprised. I wouldn't be completely surprised, but, I mean, I, I feel much more confident that we're going to see either – I don't think Okada's walking out with both belts either. I think there's, I think it's either going to be Ibushi or Naito, and I've got Naito favored over all these guys, and I've got uh, Jay White. I I could see Jay White for some reason. I don't think Okada's winning both belts. I just don't. Yeah, I, I think he's getting unseated this year by whoever he faces. I think Okada's got a lot of um, accolades on his resume already. Right. So I think that to be the first double champion at the end of Wrestle Kingdom, 
I don't think that that's something that they think he needs. That's Anoki-esque at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, next question comes from Imp from LP Radio. He says, any read into Okada weighing up the crowd reactions only to be met with some sweet Osaka apathy for the dual champ option? It is Osaka after all. Pretty sure somewhere like Tokyo would have given an entirely different response. That's probably true. That's that's actually a really good point that it brings up, but I also think that it has a lot to do with the performers and how they presented it. I think it's a combination of the two. Yeah, um, someone in the Voices of Wrestling chat kind of mentioned that um, the Osaka crowd was not the right crowd to be polling if you wanted a positive reaction. <laughs> so um, potentially it's just a, a timing and an inability to read the room. Um, but I think them putting up a poll um, says says something. I mean, at least gets people talking about it. Um, you know, the, my understanding is that the poll does like kind of lay out all the different options of what you're rooting for in a double title situation. Um, not necessarily that fans want to see it. Gotcha. So yeah, it, it'll be, yeah, this whole double title thing is going to be interesting to see how they kind of play it out and how they announce it. In a few hours at this press conference. I want this to be the start of the H crown. <laughs> Just all all the belts. All the belts unified into one H crown. <laughs> uh, so next question comes from Sam Weller on Twitter. He says, Naito's path, does it change or will we see double champ? Would NJPW be so ballsy enough to do a fan vote again? Also, what was Ibushi, Ibushi implying to his post-match comments about five? Is he referring to day two or Wrestle Kingdom or something else? Um, I don't know. Did you see any post comments about him mentioning five? I think he like flashed five of his hand, but I'm guessing he's alluding, alluding to January 5th going into that night as the champion and uh, as IWGP heavyweight champion and then walking out with both the belts. Yeah, that was my read on it too. I, I, I think that here's one thing. They have to do this double champion thing. They don't have to, of course. But they kind of have to. That would be so stupid of them. <laughs> I mean, it'd be like a w- waste of time. Yeah, it's been the big talking point all year. Like, you, they shouldn't have talked about it so much and done all this build and, and did an angle for them to change their minds last minute and go the opposite direction. That would be, like, such pulling the, the rug out from underneath us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've talked about... Um, Naito's path quite a bit so I think I think we're good with that but I think that if they did a a fan vote hypothetically and decided not to do the double championship that would be like so sucky for Naito (laughs) (laughs) I did I found the fan vote that is currently active right now and the question is or one of the questions on a on a second fan vote actually is do you want to see an IWGP heavyweight and IWGP intercontinental double championship? And it's a yes or no. Mm. And I can't, uh, I, I don't have access to the results because I don't have this app. Gotcha. Yes, on the, on the, the line app, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing I do want to talk about real quick, because I, I know we got some other questions we need to run through and I don't want to waste too much time, but. I think we, we didn't get a chance to talk about the this at all, and they, since he's mentioning uh, Abushi and the number five and all that, what are your guys' thoughts about that whole entire segment on AEW with the uh, silhouette of Abushi with the Kenny and the Lion Mark, and what what do you guys make of all that and the G1 trophy? Like, 
what what are we what's the talking points like what is this what was this all for i think that my read on it initially was uh that there was going to be some sort of relationship there but if you i, I kind of ran it back and like the the new japan line is like a mega boss in a video game mm-hmm. and then ibushi shows up and disappears and all of his other friends that are kind of involved in AEW remain. So I actually kind of took it as a one big kind of, you know, subliminal message to New Japan that he was he's done with them. Yeah, I kind of saw it like um, Cody's sledgehammer moment when uh, he smashed, smashed the uh, Triple H throne. This was kind of Kenny's shot at New Japan. Yeah, you know, the Lion Mark was the evil boss, um, and, you know, he had to defeat it and got rid of it, and Abushi didn't show back up. So I think this is kind of his way of saying, uh, I'm moving on. I'm not concerned about New Japan right now. I, I don't care about Abushi anymore, and I'm moving forward. Uh, yeah, that's that's what we all do when we're truly over somebody. <laughs> <laughs> the next time I break up with somebody, I'm making a, a video game. A video. Okay, a, cu- a couple things about it. That whole video seems so out of place. I don't know what the purpose of it actually was from a storyline aspect. Like it just kind of seemed like out of left field and then didn't like pay off to anything. So I think that's something interesting to like kind of think about, but, and it was weird that they, that it, like the graphics were so clearly, even though it was blacked out so clearly a Bushi and the, the G one tie or the, uh, yeah, the G one trophy. But, um, that whole thing was just so weird. I'm like, what is this even about? Right. And it was kind of a continuation off of the Kenny's Tale video he did at Wrestle Kingdom at Wrestle Kingdom last year, and kind of the build up they did on some of the Road Two shows. Oh, I know what I want to say about this. So the funny thing was, like, the next day, <laughs> the next day, Dave Meltzer was like talking about it, and he's like, "Yeah, I've heard from sources. They're definitely working. They wouldn't have done this without paying off something. This is leading to something between these two companies." He's like, "Things are changing daily." He's like. <laughs> He's like, there was animosity a week ago, but now things are different. They're in talks, possibly. This def- they definitely did this for something. The very next day, he's like, there is no working relationship between <laughs> these two <laughs> He's like, he's like that, that, there was not, that was just blah, blah, blah. And like, he's, he flipped it in 24 hours. I'm like, Dave, what I love Dave, but when he talks about Japan, his Japan stuff is all over the place. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, in Observer, though, that, that was his definitive kind of debunking of it. But it was, I think it was Wrestling Observer Radio where he was like, yeah, I think they're, I think they're trying to figure something out. <laughs> like, okay, Dave. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll always, with Dave, I'm always going to wait for the written word because he's a little more thoughtful there. On radio, he just kind of keeps going and, and ends up getting himself in trouble. <laughs> yeah, like that one day where he started talking about, like, the weights talking to him and then suddenly. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> it was so great. Like, 20 minutes later he's talking about dynamite kid and like <laughs> Brian Alvarez like how do we get here <laughs> <laughs> oh my but uh we had one last question related to this topic uh Wes Hanley asked where would you guys put power struggle in the year amongst the shows for me it's near the top um I think it could be a top 10 show of the year but I'd have to go through because it's been a very strong year uh with a better main event that main event I killed it yep I mean, because show of the year for me, I mean, there's a lot of weight that I'm going to put on a on a main event, especially in New Japan where main events are typically strong and clean. Um, so 
I mean, had they paid it off maybe with the double title story a little stronger too, I think I could have looked past a a really average match from Goto and White, but I I wouldn't put this in my show of the year contention, though. It was a great show. It was a really engaging and good show. It kept me up till 4 (laughs) a.m. Even though I gained an hour back with Daylight Savings Time, which was uh, a treat. The thing with New Japan, a lot of people miss out on this or, or overlook it when we talk about shows of the year is like, they have so many strong best of the super junior shows and so many strong G one shows in addition to their major shows throughout the year that like a lot of shows that might have gotten in, get knocked out by the four or five amazing G one and best of super junior shows that do happen to exist, you know? Right. And right. Um, I really enjoyed this show. I mean, it was a high quality show. I mean, a lot of great matches. Um, the main event really did kind of drag it down and if, like you guys said, if it was a better main event, this would have definitely been a better show. But I still think it's up there. Honestly, I think I like this show better than King of Pro Wrestling. I liked it better. Than, this is the best show since uh, the G1 finals, for sure, uh, this portion of the year. But that, that main event really did bring it down, and I put a lot of emphasis on show, uh, a great show. It's not just the overall average star ratings, but like it has to have a good main event. It's the last thing that you remember when you watch a show. You can, you can have a show that's lower in match quality, but if it has a really great main event, I'll actually elevate that usually higher than something that like this that has a lot of good matches but a bad main event. Yeah. Yep, same. All right, so we've got a few more questions here. Uh, first from uh, Michael Pazuro from Wrestling Squared Circle. He says, Jericho Hiromu, who shows up at New Year's Dash? Uh, okay, I see what he's saying. Um... Well, I mean, I would assume sure Hiromu is going to be there. Uh, I I don't know if Jericho will show up or not. I mean, he's he has in the past, and if he wants to put money in the bank, he could. But we don't know what the ongoing relationship with him in New Japan, uh, given his AW obligations, will be. So, Hiromu. <laughs> I mean, who's left for Jericho? On if we're looking at kind of a dream board, uh, Suzuki, Suzuki, Ibushi. That's it. I mean, like. Right, I mean, who else would would merit an appearance? Uh, I think I yeah, Jay White. Maybe there was a time where I could have seen a face Jericho take on a heel Jay White, and I thought that they could have done something compelling there. But given how he is in AEW, we're not gonna. He's not gonna switch at this point. Right. No. Yeah. So I mean, I would I would bet this might be the year that I mean Tanahashi might be the last time we see Jericho in New Japan for a while. I think so too. Next question from Reddit user Asai Yojimbo says, "Happy you guys also like uh, Tim Thatcher. I loved him in, in Evolve as champion. Do you think he'll ever end up in New Japan? What would you see him doing in New Japan? And what faction? What rivalry? Etc." So, like I mentioned earlier, I was at MLW, um, and Thatcher was a, a really strong uh, performer at that show. I think he's great. Um, he needs the right opponents, though. Um, so, uh, you know, I would see him in Suzuki goon. Um, cause I just think that, that, that could fit his in-ring style best. Um, and then I think I see him fighting against guys, you know, the hard hitters like Ishii and, um, maybe even Kenta and, 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 and wrestlers kind of in, in the never, in the never space. Yeah, that's exactly where I envision him. That Suzuki Goon, a lot of those guys that kind of have a, that shoot background, that kind of grapply background, like Suzuki and Saber. So I think Thatcher would fit in 
perfectly with Suzuki Goon, and then yeah, being in the, the Never Division and just having some you know strong style grapple matches with guys like Ishii Suzuki and um, would be a good thing. That's all cool, but I see. I say we go a different direction with him. We bring him into Taguchi Japan. <laughs> <laughs> we give him a seventies guy, you know, uh, like gimmick. He'll be wearing glasses and like an afro, and he'll just be like fun loving out there. And maybe he'll start doing high flying. It'd be good. <laughs> give, uh, him, give him a uh, never six man tag team title run. Oh boy, <laughs> I'd like to see him. I'd like somehow. I'd like to see him get in the ring with Moxley, though. I think that'd oh, be great. Yeah, Whether that, it's in America or Japan, I think that that would be a cool. That would be a cool run. Bloodsport. Yeah, that'd right? be awesome. Uh, Asayo Jimbo also asked, what do you think Juice will be doing at Wrestle Kingdom 14? Moxley never lost the U.S. belt in the ring, and the Juice-Moxley match at King of Pro Wrestling never happened. So if that's true that Moxley is to appear at Wrestle Kingdom 14, would it be a triple threat with Juice and Archer, or is it Juice versus Archer in a rematch on January 4th with Mox getting the winner on January 5th? I did think about the possibility of them doing a triple threat between those guys. That that really is a possibility. Um but I don't know. I think I'd prefer if they do do Juice and Mox. I'd prefer them to just be on their own at this point, I guess, and just do that. But I don't know. I feel like Juice needs to beat Mox, don't you? <laughs> yeah, well, he beat him at the end of the G one. That's true. Um, but they, I mean, it. You know, it's a bummer they didn't get to pay that off. Um, at um, King of Pro Wrestling. I mean, to be honest, like Juice. If he's not going back after the U.S., like, you know, the IC is already tied up. I mean, he tag league. I mean, with Mikey Nichols, maybe? Uh, probably oh. Finley. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's right. He's back. Um, yeah. Or maybe he gets involved in this match on um, Saturday, and that, that might give us a, a little bit of a magnifying glass on where they're headed. Mm. That's true. He could come out and challenge Archer after that match. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. I, I have no clue what they do with Mox. If you want my opinion, I think he should just wrestle Ishii. <laughs> just really, roll him out there. Yeah. I really do. Just just run it. Uh, next question from Reddit user Eater of Bread. He says, what are three teams that could re- realistically debut in this year's World Tag League and make it more interesting? Oh, man. I have no clue. There are none. <laughs> like, I, 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 I'd love to do some compelling, like, speculation here, but I don't know of any really good tag teams that are out there that like we can draw in like Aussie opens out because um what's his face is injured, right? Yeah, is it yeah Mark he Davis tours he tours uh everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like he really he's really jacked up. He's gonna be out in at least a year. Yeah, and I mean aside from that, I don't know of any compelling uh you know British tag teams or Aussie tag teams that are out there that that would merit, you know, inclusion. I think we will see some uh some miss like mixed matches from some of these um stables that we haven't seen in the past, but I don't see them bringing in a lot of tag teams from other like countries and stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the top tag teams are already kind of locked up in, you know, WWE or AEW. So, I, I mean, are there any other part? I don't know. If, I mean, they're not going to bring in the Briscoes. Most likely who else is worth bringing in from ring of honor. I can't think of a single other tag team. It's, <laughs> and I mean, in in Mexico, I mean, who is there? Like the Dinamitas, and they're not coming in. Yeah. Other than that, like from CMLL, uh, the Guerreros, no. 
Like, there's no one. They're 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 not bringing it. Like, they're not bringing anybody in. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a bunch of like mixed match. It was gonna be Aussie Open, and now we're not getting even that. So probably nobody. <laughs> right. I think we're probably looking at an A team block too, because it. I mean, the tag situation is bleak. Yeah. I mean, there was the time in the past where they would work with outside companies, and I mean, there's so many great Japanese tag teams out there right now, but no, we're not bringing any of them in, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Rambo and Slam Pig. He says, with two big cards to fail at the Tokyo Dome, do you think we will see some talent from CMLL and or ROH, or have those relationships sour too much for that to be an option? Um. The talent has soured too much for that to be an option. It's not even about the relationship. What what talent do you want to see from CMLL or Ring of Honor from a star perspective level? Do you want to have brought over for Wrestle Kingdom? What compelling star do they have that you'd like to see come over? Uh, I mean, for Ring of Honor, like Bandito, but I don't know where he would even fit because the junior stuff is kind of locked locked in right now. He's not a star in Japan. Yeah, like he had a very very mediocre reception throughout the best super juniors, and they see him as the best the super juniors guy. The one guy is like Marty. Yeah, that's like mm-hmm. it. There's no one else in either. And, and Marty, uh, Marty wasn't even at their show this weekend. Right, because his contract is up. I think the end of this month. Yeah, I mean, it's up uh, to general knowledge. Uh, the Marty's contract is up soon with Ring of Honor, um, so the speculation on where he's going to land is probably going to start to start to heat up. I don't think, I don't think he's the kind of guy that shows up at Wrestle Kingdom unannounced either as a as a big pop. So I think the Ring of Honor relationship is is as good as dead with the announcement of New Japan of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think we're more likely to see like a stardom match before we see a ring of honor match. And, um, I, and I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, even without speculating about those relationships though, even if they were as strong as possibly could be outside of a Jeff Cobb or a Marty, I don't know who you bring in. There, yeah. There's really no one else, but I agree with you. I think that, I think that at least the ring of honor relationship is in peril. Right. <laughs> we know what CMLL, we got the fantastic mania tour um, locked in. Uh, for the end of January of next year, so that relationship is still going. But yeah, I don't really see them bringing in any guys. I mean, there's there's Dragon Lee, even though he's he's not really a CMLL guy, but Dragon Lee's a guy that they could. That's a whole host of other issues. He's yeah. in a whole yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're gonna bring in Roosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, next question from uh, Reddit user Viking Pain. He says, "I'm sure." You all have heard about the recent Saudi WWE mess, and with no, the what war- happened, <laughs> and with the wor- and with the world that a good amount of people in the locker room is pissed off and can't wait to leave the company. Who are ten guys or gals you would want from WWE to add into NJPW or Stardom rosters? We got Ooh. ten. Ten. All right. I think we should. I think we should do this little because this is our last question of the night, and then we're gonna move on um, to the recommend match of the week. So who are Let's let's do it together. Instead, instead of having thirty picks, let's <laughs> let's let's pick ten together. Maybe or maybe we'll go around the table. Each one of us gets a pick. Okay. So I, I like to start. Okay, go ahead. My number one draft pick to New Japan Pro Wrestling from WWE, Cesaro. 
Oh, Chris. Nice. Uh, how do tag teams? Uh, are we, are they one or are they two? I think they're one. Cool. Um, <laughs> We're breaking rules. <laughs> cool. Great. We'll use uh, WWE draft rules. Um, give me War Machine back. Oh, oh. my god! Yes. <laughs> You have no idea how hard it is to be like dating someone who loves WWE but thinks everybody from New Japan sucks in WWE. And I have to keep explaining to them, like, no, this is one of the best tag teams in the entire world. And she's like, they're not that good. <laughs> I'm like, you have no idea. Oh, but they're so good. <laughs> uh, for the number three pick, I will take Daniel Bryan. Mm. Oh, nice. For the number four pick, Walter. Oh, um, where are we at? Five? Yep. Number five, Sami Zayn. Ooh. Oh. Number six, <laughs> Matt Riddle. Oh, okay. Hmm, this, this is getting hard. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of pressure here. Yeah. I don't know what to take. Um, can I take a whole faction? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to say undisputed? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, all right. Number seven. I want the entire undisputed era. <laughs> I only say yes because I love it. I want That's, Red Dragon back. I want yep. Adam Cole back. <laughs> and Roddy. I, Roddy. I oh. guess you got to take Roddy. Dude, Roddy and Ishii matches were always fire. Oh, oh yeah. Um, Where are we at? Eight? Yeah. Give me Shinsuke Nakamura back. Wow. Mm. Number nine, let's bring back the prince, Finn Balor. There right. you go. And number 10, just because he's the biggest star over there and it would – oh, you know you know who I'd like to oh. see? You know what? I want John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, first off, we already know John Cena can have his PWG Cena matches and yeah, he's older and all that, but like, dude, they would treat him like a star. He would be super over they, like all the, all the dream matches that you could do between him, Okada, Tanahashi, everybody. Let, I was going to say Roman just cause, oh. but I don't think he's that good a wrestler. Give us Cena. He's not doing anything anyways. <laughs> you know, he, uh, I thought you were going to go Brock Lesnar. I actually would totally love to see Brock. Le yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Can I? I'm sorry. Fuck that. <laughs> Not Cena. Give me Samoa Joe. <laughs> oh, nice. That's good. All right. Give me Joe. I'm sorry. All right. Pretty solid 10 right there. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to the recommended. Nobody picked Gargano. That's mm. crazy of us. That's like one of the biggest overlooked. We Someone should have picked him. We're idiots. Uh, let's uh, swap out Sami Zayn for Gargano. I'm into that. <laughs> I just wanted Sami Zayn to wrestle again, so I thought yeah. maybe, you know, Japan. We'll send uh, Sami to AEW. No one picked Andrade. <laughs> There's too much talent over there, dude. Yeah. How is there uh, this much talent that is getting underutilized? <laughs> Man. This, this is not the show for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we've got the recommended match of the week, and Chris, you're the guest, so... We're going to throw to you for this week's recommended match. What you got for us? Yeah, so when I uh, when when I started thinking about this, I was in the middle of a conversation about Hiromu and Osprey. So I'm going to roll it back, and I think everyone should go watch Hiromu versus Osprey at Dominion uh, 2018 because I mm. thought it was great. Nice. I love that match. It's an awesome yep. match. All right, well, 
Chris, we want to thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Go ahead and plug all your stuff real quick. Yeah, so I appreciate you guys having me. I had a blast. I would love to do it again. Um, best place to find me is on Twitter at the Chris Samsa. That's T H E C H R I S S A M S A. Um, I have a uh, typically a weekly column over at VoicesOfWrestling.com under the Sport of Pro Wrestling branding, and I also run SportOfProWrestling.com where you can find um, all sorts of in-depth statistics and uh, some analysis about those statistics. Um, around AEW and mostly New Japan Pro Wrestling. And we will be running a lot of content up there for Wrestle Kingdom as we uh, start to see some matches get announced. So uh, keep an eye on supportofprowrestling.com and keep an eye on my Twitter. Awesome. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a review of New Japan Showdown in San Jose and all the latest news from that Wrestle Kingdom press conference. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. If you want to follow us at Social Suplex on Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. Also, find us in the Wrestling Score Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Score Circle. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at Social Suplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Ladder and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. Every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. On Fridays, we have Get in the Ring with Danny and Mike. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. and Amy O. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review. And we'll catch you next week on keeping a strong style. The Ace of Podcasts. Epstein didn't kill himself. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.